follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Gentlemen, how are you this evening? Uh, Doing good, Shad. I'm doing good as well. Great. Glad to hear it. We want to thank everybody out there listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs taken care of. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast, no spaces. Save 10% off your order. They still have the Shad Gaspard and Brody Lee benefit shirts, and they just uh, surprised me. They added a D'Lo Brown shirt to their repertoire, which I'll be getting in the near future. Oh, man, did you read the... Did you read the... Did you read what his his um, widow wrote about, like his final yeah months? Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Bruce Miss, Bruce Mitchell can go jump off a cliff even more. Yes. With all uh, one other thing, with all that being said, before we pass the ball over to Matt, we do now have a Redbubble store. It is Four Corners Podcast. Uh, the number four capital C and Corners capital P and Podcast. No spaces. Honestly, just kind of made it because wanted to have our logo out there for stuff. We don't – I turned the margins down. They're not real high on it. So if you're interested in that, that's there to find us. And with all that being said, we got one more shout-out, which means I'm going to throw it over to Matt. Yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Um, Orlando Cologne did not debut again in the Royal Rumble. That was Carlito. Yeah. But uh, kind of glad to see one of the Colognes actually – Getting work back in the Fed. Hopefully he, uh, hopefully he's booked better than Orlando was. I doubt it. <laughs> or better. Yeah, than I, I kind of doubt it too. But. Yeah. All right. So we are doing something a little bit different tonight. What we are going to be doing is we are going to be diving into, uh, diving deep into a particular topic. And in order to do that, we need thought we should bring in. Some help. So we whistled up a friend of ours by the name of Tim. Tim is here to join us. We're talking about G.I. Joe. Tim, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Good evening, everyone. Absolutely. Happy to have you. So since I don't know a whole lot about G.I. Joe, that means I'm going to throw the ball over to Brad and kind of sit back for a while. So let's let's start this interrogation off right. Did you have the aircraft carrier from the olden days? No, that's that's the one thing I wanted. Um, the USS flag. That's one. That's the one thing everyone wanted. Yeah. And if you go onto Facebook and all these groups, like every week, there's a different guy saying, "I fulfilled my childhood dream," and he's standing there with the flag, you know, that he found on eBay or something like that. It would be nice to have, but where do you put something like that? It's bigger than Jabba's sail barge. 
that just I've, came out a couple years isn't ago. Isn't it? Isn't it like a legit like six feet in length or something like that? It's like a, at least five. I think feet. it's eight feet, isn't it? What? what? I think so. Let me. I've never. Now I gotta actually, look this up. Yes, here. All I've I never actually I, seen one. Well, I've never seen one in the wild. I've only seen like pictures or or people like on on YouTube or whatever having it. Um, seven foot six in length. Whoa. So that's Andre that's... the Giant's embellished height. So <laughs> that's, that's actually bigger than I thought it was. I don't even think I don't even think that would fit in the room I record from. <laughs> wow. Because I, I saw I my my friend and one of my friends had Fortress Maximus. And I thought that was huge, but I think he was only like three feet tall, if that. Good lord! Yeah, it was a huge, huge where, toy. So where would you even keep that? Was it? Did it at least hold like all the figures? Yeah, probably, I mean, you could have the, the army there with it, probably. Yeah, you could only fit a couple of sky strikers on it, but you know, it was, it was, it. You, you take the deck off, and there's all the. You know, little rooms inside and stuff like that. The the superstructure you could open up and stuff. I none of my friends even had it, but you know, everyone wanted it. Could now and still want it. Was it was that was that something you could find at retail, or did you have to get it out of like the I Sears catalog? On the shelf. Oh, okay, really, well, that must have been a big box. <laughs> was was that a falling hazard? They they have signs up that says "Be careful when you walk by, so it doesn't fall and kill you." Yeah, it, it they they would need it for sure. But like for example, um, our friend you know Chris, a fan of Saved by the Bell, we know that Screech passed away in the last couple of days. There are pictures of him coming out on Facebook as a kid getting all this GI Joe stuff, and I think he has a picture with the flag as well. So check on Facebook and you can find that. Oh, Matt, I think we need that. to we. We have a tradition whenever we refer to him, don't we? When we refer to Chris. Oh, friend of the show, Christy <laughs> Petrello. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I found the photo. Yeah. Um, G.I. Joe Trader PX group on Facebook. It shows uh, young Screech in front of a whole stack of boxes, and the flag is one of them. So, wow. Pretty cool. Did we figure out how much that cost? Is it 200 bucks? You know, I bet you I can find a Sears catalog page because I remember it being extremely expensive to the point where my parents told me you'll never have that preemptively. Oh, uh, so I just looked it up. The uh, The original retail price when it was released in 1985 was uh, 199 So only uh, 110 buckaroos, but that's in 1985 money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I – so this is random. Like I actually read something about the flag not that long ago, maybe like you know, a month ago or something. I don't know why. Maybe because it was like I saw it online or something. I know we've I talked think, about it before. Yeah. I think they I adjusted for inflation. Like $110 back in 1985 would have been like $500 in today's dollars, something like that. $262 adjusting for inflation. For oh, okay. That's, <laughs> okay. That's not as yeah. bad as I thought it would be. But Wasn't still, like, that was – Way more than my parents would have spent. Mm-hmm. Wasn't yeah. an NES only a hundred bucks when it first came mm-hmm. out? Yeah. Well, yeah. when it first came out, it was a little more than a hundred. I think it was like a lot more when it had Robbie the robot or whatever oh, his yeah, name yeah, was. Yeah. Rob the robot. Yeah, yeah when it, but I then, meant more when it hit retail and not like that weird. Yeah, they came um, out with a stripped down version, two controllers, uh, Duck Hunt, and 
Mario for a hundred something at least. So yeah, the, I remember um, when when the initial Game Boy came out in 1990, that was a hundred. Which, uh, adjusting for inflation, that was probably more like two hundred dollars. Mm. And I didn't really know because, like, I actually I did like odd jobs around the house to like basically guilt my parents into buying it for me. <laughs> I had that. Uh, I got. But that they did. Was, but um, I actually did work for it. So that was a Christmas present because I remember <laughs> I used to have um I used to have a light that would slide on it, mm-hmm. so then I didn't have to like worry about um playing oh, yeah. you know that thing in the was, car that thing um was invincible i dropped that down the stairs um it survived a lot and i got one i i, I got <sighs> rid of it eventually and i forgot how big they were but i appreciate the ones i have now because if an intruder ever comes in i can beat them to death <laughs> with it <laughs> so for what it's worth guys i threw uss flag into ebay and the first listing is 999 dollars that's probably a deal. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I've seen it recently up to like fifteen hundred. I think that was. There was like yeah, there was one on here. I think new in boxes six thousand dollars. Wow. You know, yeah. I, you know what a um, copy of Chrono Trigger goes for these days. You don't want to know. New in box or just the just the cartridge? Uh you're still over a hundred bucks either way. I do. I do actually have one of the cartridges, but. You can anyway, get, you can get like the better version for DS for cheaper, but like um, <laughs> Super Nintendo RPGs are really expensive. Like uh, Earthbound, like complete in box is like two hundred bucks now. Yeah, yeah. I Ooh, I saw a Gauntlet still in the crate, arcade game still mm. in the crate, and someone was selling it for fifteen grand, I think, on eBay. Wow. Don't know how someone preserved it that long, but. I'm like, nah, I have my arcade one up, Rampage that has Gauntlet on it. It's only three players, but I'm fine with that. They're making, I want it because it's going to be $500. You know those three-fourth scale arcade re-releases they do? They're doing one for the Yeah, that's the arcade one-up ones. Yeah, the one I just mentioned. Yep. Yeah. I wish it had the art from Gauntlet instead of Rampage, but hey, at least I get to play the game. The Rampage art's still decent. I I have a fondness for, for Rampage. All right, so we were going to talk about some G.I. Joe tonight. So for people like me who know either nothing or next to nothing about it, what give us give us a brief overview, please. Who's going to do it, Brad or me? Uh, you do it, Tim. Yes. <laughs> okay, so G.I. Joe was, if you go all the way back, and you can watch you know, the Toys That Made Us episode, pretty decent show on Netflix, if you didn't cancel it because of cuties, but um, it's a show that or a, a toy that they came out with, kind of like for boys, you know, Vietnam War era, all that stuff. Twelve inch, you could dress it up. It was kind of like the male Barbie for boys, and you could have Marines and and Navy guys, sailors, everything. So then it kind of died out. I think this happens with toys all the time. The kids that play with them get old and they stop playing with them, right? It happened with Star Wars in 85, 86. Those like kids like me, we grew up and it's we kind of forgot about toys. So you have to reinvent them. So in 1982, the real American hero 
line came out, which is the 3.75-inch toys, um, and they kind of modeled it on the Micronauts. Not necessarily, you know, the storyline and what they look like, but just the articulation and the size. Because, and Star Wars, to be quite frank, because Star Wars came out in, what, 77, 78, yeah. they started releasing figures. So they saw that popularity, they saw the Micronauts, all the points of articulation, and they said, let's come up with this universe, this comic book. And the comic book was pretty much to sell the toys. And we'll get to the comic book later, but it took off. And I remember I must have been in first grade in 1982, and it was a big thing. Like kids were bringing the stuff to school and playing with it at recess and stuff. And I would get toys bought for me from my parents if I got good grades. So I wound up with a pretty good sized collection of G.I. Joe in addition to He-Man, Star Wars, Mask, uh, maybe one other franchise I'm forgetting. But yeah, G.I. Joe was the coolest because you had all the different parts of the military. You had a, a bazooka guy. You had the mortar guy. You had a medic. You had uh, a pilot, all that stuff. So it was just really cool to have. And, and honestly, it was compatible with Star Wars. And I think I mixed them up in storylines when I was a little kid because they were the same size and stuff like that. Yeah, I had my AT-AT, my AT-AT, you could put them in. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of G.I. Joe. And then it, it died out probably in 89, probably for the same reason. You know, the kids grew up. And it sold sporadically in the 90s. They tried to rebrand it Sergeant Savage. Um Gosh, what else? They tried to release Street Fighter characters as G.I. Joe figures. I don't know if anyone remembers I, that. I, I remember that. I, I had some of those, actually. I yeah. I remember they started doing the gimmick release. Remember, they did, like, the space um, crew. Oh, yeah, Sky then, Patrol. Yeah, um, uh, the, drug, the drug squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That's That um that stuff was, like, the mid-'90s. The, when it yes. got to, like... The, the space for stuff where the, it just look, it, it blurred the line a lot between fantasy and reality. That just went like full on weird sci-fi. You literally yeah. had like alien characters in the toys. <laughs> that was pretty much like the end of it. Yeah. Um, and then the toxic I, Avenger characters, that was terrible. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And they it, did. Um, they did a few of those they, to the, in fairness, those were almost more like, like side, uh, character, like sidelines. For the toys, they always had like the main toys, and those are just like here's some specialty figures. Um, so those were, I remember like I had I so GI Joe is like pretty much like my favorite toy line of all time. Like I love the whole three and three quarters inch mm-hmm. size. Like I think it's awesome. Um, I had most of these even like to the mid '90s. It did die off like for a while, and then Tim's right. They started going into the whole. They tried to do like this whole Sergeant Savage stuff, which I think. So I'm, I might be like mi- mixing up my like GI Joe lore, but I think I think the the Sergeant Savage stuff may have actually been how it was marketed overseas, like in, in Europe. No, you're thinking of Action Force. Oh, okay, that, that you're correct. Action yeah. Force. Yeah, I think and they, they were... had different names. Well, sometimes different names, but backgrounds mm-hmm. were definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wasn't Action Force like? Wasn't it tied together? They, they tried to tie it together later, um, mm-hmm. but it was kind of dumb because, like, you have a Duke, but he's British or something like that. I, I really don't recall all the characters, but it was the same name a lot of times. 
but you know, he's from England, he's from France, he's from Germany, and stuff like that. Because you know, GI Joe is not going to sell in Europe, right, or in Australia or wherever you're at. So they created Action Force, same logo, same font. All that stuff. The yeah. enemy was at first. It wasn't Cobra. They brought in Cobra later, but at first it was the uh, the Red Baron or something like that. And he had like a skull logo. What's so, it like? Uh, Red Claw or Iron Claw, something like that. Yes, something like that. Yeah, I yeah. used to know quite a bit about it, but I haven't read about it in several years, so I've kind of forgotten. But I, they had their own comic and all that yeah. stuff. We've the, talked about the, it before um, on mm-hmm. the show, but. And Matt, Matt has claimed that he got them, but do you remember in the Sears catalog, they always had that, like, they were the knockoffs, <laughs> but, like, 20 bucks got you, like, 40 knockoff G.I. The Joe's. core. Yeah. I think core. I call it the core. The core, yeah. Battle core, core, all that stuff. Well, yeah. I, I read I an article. I guess there's, like, um, there was, like, a, a heavily, like, African-American knockoff that went, like, <laughs> that lasted for, like, decades. Hmm. I don't remember what it's called. It's like it's the called. Milestone universe of G.I. Joe or something. Yeah. It was Lanard. Lanard was the company, I think, that did the core. And I was a big fan of them. Uh, I think they actually brought them back years later. But it was it was still on, like, the same scale. But it they were no longer kind of like G.I. Joe's. They were mm-hmm. more, like, plastic-based. And they, they lacked a lot of the articulation, uh, which oh, I did not like. I didn't like when they went to, like... When they did away with the 3.75s and they went to the the larger G.I. Joe Extremes, like, I think they lost the plot. Extreme, that's what I was forgetting. Yeah, G.I. Joe Extreme. They tried to push that, and that, there was a TV show that was short-lived based on that. It wasn't good. It was not very good. The toys weren't really good, but uh, I, I guess it, you know, continued getting the G.I. Joe name out there. And then what they did in terms of at least, like, the toy line, because obviously G.I. Joe has been a franchise that's been around now for, like, it's, well, really, if you take like the twelve-inch figures, it's been down around longer. But in the kind of the incarnation we are know we know of, like the toys, the cartoons, it's been around for like forty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the late nineties, they started putting out. They they released like they, essentially they took the original molds of several characters, and they just did like a repaint. Uh, but they they put it out there, and it was almost like a. They're testing the waters to see if people would be still interesting, if there's still a market with collectors or old fans of G.I. Joe's. And I remember, like, I was I was probably in college at that time, and I was like, oh, my... Because G.I. Joe is my favorite line. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I was too old to really collect toys, but I'm like, I have to get G.I. Joe. I, it's like G.I. Joe is my favorite of all time. So I collected most of them, and I think that was successful enough. What year was that? I'd have to actually look. Let me actually look it up real quick. Because I have about eight or nine 25th anniversary from uh 2007 that i still have up in a container and they're in really good condition way earlier than that let me actually try and look it up real quick yeah and while you're doing that like i think what you're going toward is that mail-in uh collectors uh Mm -hmm. i can't think of what it's called but yeah you had to mail order it in and it's like hey we have this character, like Pimp Destro, which I really want. That's like a grail <laughs> item for me. It's so the new awesome. Ones or... Are you talking about the, like, the No, very... the old one. I want the old one. Oh, yeah, there used to be some I know which one you're talking ones. about. Because all right, all right. Yes, the, fridge was, the fridge was mail-in. Fridge was mail-in. And then there was the, a... the steel... I never had him. I never had him growing up. And then years later, I bought him off like eBay. 
and he is an awesome. <laughs> he's an awesome figure. Yeah, remember, well, I'm not talking about that mail-in. I'm talking about like in the Camp 2000s, they had that club where if you were a GI Joe collector, you could get yes. certain figures by you know ordering them by mail. Not for yeah, there was like a there was like a direct to consumer line. Direct yeah, that yes, and they recently ended it by the way about a year they, ago. They ended it. They they and then eventually. So what happened again? They, I looked it up. It was uh, 1997. They put out okay. repaints, and it started off with what was called team packs, which was basically, it took three like old figure molds uh, and released them. And it was like three packs of three. Like you had Baroness, Cobra Commander, Destro, it was one pack. You had like mm-hmm. uh, Storm Shadow, Lady J, uh, uh, Snake Eyes is another pack and a few other ones. And that became successful enough that they actually, eventually they greenlit entirely new lines uh, and initially, they did away with like the the O ring. For those who were fans of the GI Joe toy, um, it, they initially came with like a little rubber band type of thing that actually mm-hmm. connected the. And, that, and it gave them, I loved it because it actually gave them like superposability. The technology back then wasn't as it is now. Like now, if you get even like a, a twelve, uh, sorry, a six inch toy, like they actually they have they have some sort of like joint basically where like the like the rib cage or midsection would be in a toy mm-hmm. and it does offer like a, a good amount of like flexibility. Like you're bending over things like that. They didn't have that back in like the eighties. So they had to do like, a, uh, basically the, the toy was like connected at the waist by a yeah. rubber band called the O ring. Cause it was in the shape of an O ring, but you couldn't use like a regular rubber band. It was like tighter. And there's the, the Joe collecting community is still so strong that you could literally go on eBay right now just type in O-ring. You're going to find people like third-party sellers who are selling just brand new o- little rubber O-rings to use if you're, you know, making like doing custom GI Joes or what have you. Uh, they did eventually move away from the kind of original GI Joes. It di- uh, it died down again like the mid 2000s, and then they moved Tim, like you said, to like the direct to consumer. And they, I almost feel like it had a special name. Like I, yeah, I'm trying like to look it up right now or something like that. Yeah, and then it eventually it died out. It got a little bit more life uh, a few years back when they had the two GI Joe movies. They did a lot of uh, figures that were kind of related to or associated with that. Yes, uh, and now it's it looks like they they kind of stopped doing anything a couple of years back in 2018. But now the new thing, as uh, we've talked about it on the show before, Tim, like they're doing a line of six-inch figures, uh, mm-hmm. which are pretty awesome. The only problem is that anything that's Target exclusive has been like impossible to get. It's just garbage. Right. It's not the, the figures aren't garbage. The distribution has been like insane. I made a pretty penny on some of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't seen any anywhere. So, so. T- Tim, they're hard to find. So, Tim, um, this is a story I've told on the podcast before, but mm-hmm. at an Overstock store here, I found dozens of Cobra Troopers that I then proceeded to buy for $10 and then sell them to people for, like, $75 a pop. <laughs> and I, they, were get, they were getting a deal yeah. at that, weren't they? They were, actually. And I, I managed to set a couple people up for costs. Like, I think Chris got several for me and matt got one for me yeah so um 
I remember years ago, Chris wanted a bunch of these Marvel figures. Remember when those became a thing about 10 years ago? And I'm like... The three and three quarters ones? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. here are are some of the ones he wants. I saw at a store. They must have just stocked. So I buy them. And I take them home. And I'm like, hey, I have all these. Do you want me to mail them? He's like, never mind. I found them. And I'm like, okay. So I had to take them back and get my money back. It was pretty funny. You could have probably, if you had held on to them, you could have sold them now. I like know, yeah, big money probably. Red uh, Hulk and all that other stuff. I have yet mm-hmm. to see an AEW figure in the wild. Uh, I've only seen the first. Well, I guess I should clarify. I've seen one figure of the first wave months ago, and then I have never seen any other wave mm. since then. I have a friend who, maybe a month or two ago, actually found almost the entirety of wave one in a, like a, a random Walmart. But I, by that point I had already got them from, uh, through other means. They're supposed to have wave two out right now, but I know like very few people who have actually found them. I've seen you, lots of empty pegs. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, that's, that's forever the case. And they even, they even have wave three. Like I actually wound up just sucking it up and, and ordering off like ringside collectibles, which is, uh, I know Chris is probably not a fan of that because he's he's uh, he has a feud <laughs> with Ringside Collectibles, oh, but I just ordered off there, and those actually the Wave Three came in the mail. I or, like Wave Two hasn't come, but Wave Three has somehow come, and that's not allegedly out yet. Well, I don't think it's a lot of people have said that it's been on the, the pegs, but it's just a nightmare. Like there. Well, was that mm-hmm. a was that Britt Baker that p- posted that awesome thing ripping on them? And it's like, oh, hey, look, it's the him. next. It's the next AEW toy line, and it's like five Cody figures all colored differently, and then a Brandy toy. She was she was making fun of that, but it's like there has been so far. There's like four official waves, and in the four waves plus like exclusive figures, there's at least let me actually think one, four two, duplicates. three, four, because Cody is like in wave four, I think. I think that's like the fifth version of him. I'm not even joking. There's like two versions of of him in wave one. Well, there's is, uh, is there's it Moxley in waves two and three? Because you sent me the two of them. I'm like, wait a minute. Why is Moxley in both of these? No, he's in Moxley is in wave two. And then he's going to be in wave five. It, the, the problem with AEW, it's like they literally AEW, while not the size of WWE, AEW still has a lot of people on their roster. If you factor in, dynamite and dark like they've got a lot of people they could literally do like 10 waves with six figures a wave and not have to circle back and and go back to any other characters or you know wrestlers and they're not doing that they're basically after wave one and two they are it's like half redos half half new it's two-thirds new one-third so they do six figures it's like two of the six starting with wave three is repaints and the the dude Jeremy, who's like in charge of that, he's making all sorts of excuses. But it's it, to me, that's it's garbage. That's like bush league. Just say like if if you can only do molds of like so many at a time, just put out like four. Don't do like six where the other two is like repaints. I mean, I almost feel like, but I, I guess I should, I guess I should say though, it's like their their figures are so damn hard to find. It's like maybe that's a good thing. Maybe people actually get a chance to get. Oh, I didn't get a Cody figure. Well, I guess I'll get him from like wave five. Well, then just make four. wave one available. 
Though no, that they won't do that. That's almost every collector now. Outside of I will say, outside of like maybe WWE toys. Well, I take it back. Uh, like Transformers doesn't really have this issue. Like my, I have a friend who's collecting Transformers now because they actually have a lot of new Transformers toys that he's been collecting. Like they haven't been that hard to find, and you can get them off Amazon easily. You can get them off other vendors pretty easily online. Uh, WWE toys have been somewhat difficult to get, but not that hard. Like they've been, even those have been popping up like on Amazon. You just have to kind of wait for them or hunt for them. But that's not that bad. But the AEW toys, like the G.I. Joe toys, it's like been insane to get them. And I mean, I've talked to people even at the stores, like the Target exclusive G.I. Joes. I've talked to the people, like the employees, and they don't, they don't make policy, but they're like, yeah, like they only release like a certain number of us, uh, of the toys to us because they want to see if they're going to sell out. And I'm like, but that's dumb because it's like you, if you release so few of these, then of course they're going to sell out because people like collectors yeah. are going to be like, like chomping over the bed. He said, I talked to one dude at one store. He's like, yeah, this dude knew that they were getting these figures, this particular figure at this store because there are websites out there like Brickseek, Popfinder. Like there are websites out there that'll tell you when, when a store has stock, even if they're not even out on the shelves. He said, yeah, like a dude came in and he asked us at like eight in the morning when the store opened. It's like he asked if they had the toys out. And I told him like, yeah, no, they're not. They're not on the, not out on the floor yet. And I can't sell you two from the back. So you got to wait. He said the dude came in literally like every two hours that day, like every two hours. And this was like this was at a random target. And like he's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the guy was doing all day, but he just kept popping up every two hours. Asking well, that, that's had your the unemployment check at work, right? Your, your <laughs> I guess. Check. I don't know, man. It's just dumb because it's like I understand you don't want to make like a thousand and they just have stuff sitting on the pegs. But it's also so ridiculously hard to find that it, there is absolutely no other way to explain it that they are deliberately doing this to fuel the secondary market and drive up demand. It still Actually, doesn't they, make don't, they don't well, get a cut of anyway. Why don't it, they it do reprints if it, if, it's the first, if it sells out? Because the thing is – that's my problem with the AEW people, though, is if you if pe- if people can't get in on wave one because they couldn't get them, you're going to lose customers as you go forward because they couldn't get wave one and two. So why are you going to bother looking for three when well, the guy from the AEW guy, Jeremy with Jazzwares, like he has he at one point actually admitted that like he basically said, yeah, we're deliberately only going to do like we're going to short supply waves one and two to drive up demands with the stores because you know when these when these actually hit the stores they'll sell out immediately and the store will be like oh okay yeah these are hot items like i'm going to order waves three four five six from you guys because i know they're going to sell out which i understand that strategy it's incredibly cynical but i i don't see where they're actually going to change i don't see where suddenly it's like okay yeah we did that for wave one and two but don't worry, Wave 3 will be easily available. Like, I don't think it's going to be the case. Like, allegedly, well, it could be because Waves 1 and 2 were supposed to be Walmart exclusive, and they're allegedly that the exclusivity has ended, so they're going to be doing more. Like, I think I think people have already found that Target has inventory sheets which show they're going to get Wave 3 or 4 or 5, whatever, but I don't know. I, I, I have such little faith in this now. <laughs> What's annoying about it is 
in this day and age, we have something called big data, right? And it seems like these toy companies, not just toys, but almost any goods manufacturing company, they could find out where is something going to sell and who is it going to sell to and how many. It won't be perfect, but it seems like we have more big data, quote unquote, than ever, yet they use these tactics like you just described. Like, oh, it's, it's sold out. Now, you know, stores are going to order more. But then you piss off your consumer because I get pissed off when I go in there and I try to find something I really want. And I go to 10 different Walmart super centers and I still can't find it. It's mm-hmm. like use the data, find out which cities it sells in. Um, and they could probably get in certain areas, age and demographic and all that stuff. But, yeah. but they don't apparently. Um, but one thing I was going to say, they should come out with throne Cody with maybe a sledgehammer. That would be a cool figure to have. Oh, that I think they cool. did. <laughs> Are you I serious? Think, well, I don't think it comes with the throne, but I have to see one of those figures. He actually does come with a sledgehammer. Oh, nice. That's funny. And I think, I think wave four, um, he actually has the shirt that he was wearing when he did that called with the throne breaker. Like that mm-hmm. shirt, he has like a miniaturized version of that. On <laughs> I knew they would. Yeah. That's uh, they, not a some of the figures are clever. Like they did, they've done, they've essentially done two Jericho, I guess three, if you have to include the chase figure, but they've done two Jerichos. They haven't redone Jericho in a different, in a separate wave, but Jericho was in wave one, but they also did a specialty uh, character from when he won the title. And he gave that like classic line where it's like he's celebrating backstage with champagne. He's like, "Oh, little bit of the bubbly." And yeah, they put out the a bubbly. they put out a figure of him <laughs> at celebrating. And I didn't it, know the, that. The, yeah, they did. And the packaging, I didn't get this figure. I, I kind of want to almost, but the packaging on that was great because he came in packaging that was essentially like a champagne bottle, like a cardboard oh, champagne wow. bottle, and you <laughs> open up the champagne bottle and he's like you know his the figure inside so they are doing some clever stuff with it and the the figures look to be somewhat good it's hit or miss like some some are pretty bad some characters the the (laughs) facial scans are not good no some of them have have, like weird facial expressions too yeah do they have that one guy um the villain uh the jewish kid i can't even think of his name Oh, Maxwell. MKS. Yes, yeah, Jay Friedman. Yeah, do they yes. have him? He is in Wave Two. Uh, I again, I've like pre-ordered the stuff, but I'm still waiting for it to come in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they do. They have him. I get that one because he's awesome. He even comes with the uh, a little miniaturized version of his scarf. His Burberry <laughs> scarf. <laughs> yeah. We talked. What was that? A couple of two, three weeks ago, we were talking about. Uh, the Burberry scarf, and I got curious and went and looked it up, and I was like, oh, no wonder if it's the gimmick. You know, I actually looked that up since you're talking about it, Chad, and his particular uh, design, I think they've actually reduced the price on that. I think it's only like, you know, four or five hundred. It's not like a thousand. <laughs> it's still like, you and I literally, like, I, if I, when I wear a scarf, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with like the $20 scarf I bought. Off like yeah, a street, right. off a street vendor when I visited New York like five years ago. <laughs> uh, <Sure>. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna pay five hundred dollars for a scarf. No, but... no. So we so lose it. That with the with the duplicates though, like it, I'm trying to remember like when I was a kid, like and I, I since we're talking about GI Joe, I was trying to think like even the popular figures. Like I only think there was ever like two or three roadblocks in like the entire like eight year run of it. Mm-hmm. And maybe like two snake eyes. 
maybe a few more. Oh, there was more than two Snake Eyes. There were there were several. Like maybe more towards the end, you were getting repeats when they were doing like the extra ones, but I never really felt like you were getting beat over the head with the same. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, I don't think I ever had a Cobra Commander. Well, when they when they did, here's the thing. You and by the way, before I forget, it was called GI Joe Collectors Club. The mail there, yeah, order there thing. You go. Yeah. So um, here's the thing. There were obvious cash-ins like Tiger Force, Night Force, uh, the one where they were all in silver. I can't remember what that one was called. Sky Force or something like that. Oh yeah, those were those were at least like all brand new figures. No, they were repaints. They were all repaints. Oh really? I thought yeah, so. Yeah. Didn't Maybe the, I'm thinking of a different line. Didn't the Deke um, Snake Eyes get like repainted a couple times? Oh, there's there's Snake Eyes is one of their most popular characters. There's mm-hmm. literally probably like 50 different versions of Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. Like every wave pretty much has a new Snake Eyes. Because I had the one like I had the Snake Eyes figure that was in the later <sighs> cartoons, like when he had like he was a little less ninja and had like some more gear on him. And and it was like white or green color, right? Uh, I think he was like blue, and then he had like he had like a neon. Oh, like... that was much later. Yeah. 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 Because I, I don't think I yeah. was really getting the figures until, like, 88 or 89. Mm-hmm. So ba- I, oh, Battle Force 2000 was what I was thinking. Battle about. Force 2000. But uh, were you going to say something, Shed? Yeah, I, just for the, the sake of background real quick, the only G.I. Joe figures I ever had mm-hmm. is there was a friend of my dad's who was a work friend who was coming by. So he, he had to come to town for business at some point near my birthday. So on the way in, he asked he called his son and asked him what to get me. Here's what I had. And I didn't know Jack squat about it, but here's what he brought is I had a, I just looked it up to make sure I had the right thing. A Cobra elite trooper, which is a red suit Cobra, I guess a beachhead. Crimson and then a, I'm sorry. It was a crimson guard. The red one with like a silver mask. No, I think this had a black mask. Oh, okay. Uh, that beachhead, a, a um, snake eyes, and then a sergeant slaughter with his tank. And of course, I thought they were cool, but I had no idea what they were. That's a good. Mm-hmm. That's actually, um, that is a good starting set. Well, it was weird because yeah, it's it like is. I've got these. I've got these like three hero guys, and they've got a tank, and then I've got like the red shirt, the literal red shirt over here. What do I do with this? So I just mixed them in with my other stuff. Yeah. Well, what the point I was getting at is they had obvious cash-ins that were like repaints. I mean, literal just now his shirt has tiger stripes on it. But they did, I think they were smart on certain ones like Gung Ho. You had the original where he has the cap and the vest. But then they had him in full like marine dress. I had that figure and it was awesome. Um and you have, I'm trying to think of another example where they just totally revamped a character uh, and gave him a, you know, a different outfit. I think that was uh, Flint. Cool. Flint, Flint they did like yes. the desert, the desert yep. look for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke, Duke got really heavily updated because he got like the yes. red and like, what was it, like red and tan look after having like the more standard look. Yeah. So, yeah, in some ways, you know, it's like, hey, we're repainting and we're releasing. you got to have these guys, too. But then they they had the same characters in different outfits, and I thought that was cool. 
so and, um wetsuit the 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 later wetsuit like the yellow and black one i love that figure where he comes with like oh. the fins and like the, the the gear and all that stuff i love that one well on the flip side uh cobra frogman with the gray and red one of my favorite figures ever i mean of the, any toy the, line that was an cobra awesome eel figure. yes the eel yeah that was a yes. cool figure awesome there's a lot of really good like character designs for some of these figures. Uh, some were like more plain. Some were obviously meant to be more like realistically militaristic, like an act like based. I mean, it's based upon like U.S. military for the most yeah. part. So some characters were like that. And then you had completely bizarre fantasy characters like Croc Master. Oh, I remember him. <laughs> or but, the boxer guy. Oh, Bal- uh, Big, Boa. Big Boa. Yeah, yeah, Big Boa. Big Boa was actually. So for some, so I'll full full disclosure. Like when I was a kid, because I'm I was I'm still like a huge wrestling nerd. But when I was a kid, like I always would have my GI Joes be like, I do like wrestling. I had my own like wrestling <laughs> federation with GI Joes because they had the most articulation, um, and you could really like move them around a bit. And plus, like a lot of these characters, like I don't know why they they designed them this way, but they were like clearly like like muscular. Uh, like you can have a guy like like uh like big boa uh i had two of him for some reason i think like my parents bought me a second one like from like a yard sale or something like that so i had two and they're like identical figures but what i did was i had them be like a tag team and they were basically like a road warrior style tag team and they would just (laughs) whenever i had them in a tag match they would just beat the shit out of their opponents oh that's fine they're like full-on road warriors i just (laughs) full-on made them just like they stiffed everyone they didn't sell (laughs) You, you know, looking back, I'm thinking about them. What what really is surprising to me about GI Joe is well, one, um, the 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 personnel file that came with the figures were awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, oh just yeah, they... whoever wrote those was a genius. Like, I think, I think what isn't it hasn't it been established that like Larry Hama wrote? He wrote some of, of them. them. Okay, he wrote some of them. Yeah, we've uh, we've somehow gone this far and not even mentioned Larry Hama. Like Larry Hama is. Yeah, we even talked about the comics. So yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I, I wanted to say, and I was gonna segue us into the comics of this, but um, just like the, I know, I know this is like a, it's become a weird like buzzword, mm-hmm. but like there's a real progressive streak to like how they did GI Joe, just how, just the 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 amount of diversity and like backgrounds and races and like they didn't put like people in stereotypical positions. Like you just had in like the way they presented it or even, even going into the cartoon, like one of my favorite episodes where Cobra hacked into GI Joe and tried to, um, bring them down by promoting the three worst Joes up the oh, ladder. I re- Beachhead and yeah, I remember that one. And uh, one of them was like the medic guy. It wasn't Doc. It was the other one. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the guy Lifeline? Yeah, Lifeline. Yeah. And it just just how much thought they put into it even though they were they were um, just doing it to sell toys. Like even having like identical twins like was really just an interesting decision. Was yeah. Beachhead a chump? No, I I, no. I had it reversed. Be- Beachhead was pissed that he got demoted because someone took his spot. I think so he was oh, one okay. of the the leaders. I think it like was, the true leaders. I think so. it was Lifeline Breaker, and I don't remember. I, who the other I don't one was. remember. 
I remember the episode though. Yeah. But you know what's great? I'm glad you mentioned you know the diversity because it's like, hey, here are these characters. There's Roadblock and Doc and all this, and they're just here. They are their characters. But now, like in 2021, it's like, hey, look, um, we have a black Batwoman. Like we're groundbreaking in 2021. It's like really, this has been going on for how many years? We've true diversity has been out there forever. It just wasn't anvilicious and and someone trying to just praise themselves for doing something normal. Yeah. So well, yeah, it's it, just another it was, example. It was just very organic. It was like yeah. And 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 I would argue like that actually makes it better because it's like you're uh-huh. not you're not just like hey look we made a. Well, well, this they've done this in the comics in, in more recent years. They took oh, a character yeah. that was a, I guess like a white male character, Salvo, and they redid him into he's. Uh, I think he's. I think it's it supposed like to be a, like a. It was like a Samoan woman, wasn't it? I think it's like Samoan woman. Um, I heard about that. Yeah. And my biggest criticism of that was that she's drawn to be like clearly overweight. Mm-hmm. She's like she's not. It's not like you have her like looking like, uh, you know, China the wrestler, like where she's just like really huge like a physically impressive woman she's like overweight which is like that's not really incorporating like military you know but anyway like they they repurposed it and it's like look she's now a Samoan woman it's like okay but the thing about the original G.I. Joe's was that you had you literally had pretty much every ethnicity Mm -hmm. and gender uh recognized and it wasn't just like oh isn't this like so great it's like you know you you had them great because they were just awesome. Like they, it wasn't a, a box were, to check. They were incredibly competent. Like Roadblock was a major character, and he was awesome. Like he went in there and he, they established him early on, like the like in the cartoon, sorry, but also in like some in the comics. But they established him as like any Cobra who was going up against him was going to get his ass handed to him. Like in the in the really ridiculous Cobra movie, they had, I mean, they built up Nemesis Enforcer who, in the cartoon movie, was like essentially like some sort of weird mutant creature who was meant to be like impossibly strong and roadblock was kicking the shit out of him mm-hmm. and that's like By well, the yeah, way. That, that's how you go like you just have him you just show that he's really competent like spirit mm-hmm. or charlie iron knife as they changed the name because i think they felt spirit was like too i guess i think they felt it was too like i don't know generic on the nose prejudice maybe i don't know or insensitive they had him like this was more so like in the comics, but they didn't really explore it as much in the cartoon. But they had him be like the world's greatest tracker. Like he was basically at Snake Eyes level in terms of his skills and his ability to, you know, find the enemy, defeat the enemy. He was presented awesome. Like you had so had you had so many other characters. You had Alpine. Alpine. Who was African American? This is Doc this is, a, this is also dude. like the thought they put into it though. Alpine was an accountant outside of like the G.I. Joe stuff. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Stalker, another African-American character, presented as one of the main leaders. Mm-hmm. Like he was one of the heavy hitters. Uh, Even like, then you had he like... He was the doctor. Yeah. yeah. He was the doctor. But then you had, you had Lady J, you had Scarlet, you had Cover mm-hmm. Girl. Yeah, all three uh, women, obviously, when... And even in an era where women were still... It, was, it still wasn't like, you know, women were really... They were advancing necessarily in the military. The Baroness, and they were... was the Baroness, who was probably one of the most competent Cobra people, and mm-hmm. even Destro, who was like some European weirdo <laughs> that like had hey, this like rich a 
Scottish arms dealer or something. Yes. <laughs> yes. But but Mars, even yeah. even um in the cartoon kind of touched on it, but I even find it fascinating that Cobra's really not a terrorist organization. Cobra's just like this mega corporation, or even like really a Ponzi scheme. I think when it started, or was it a real estate thing? Uh, I'd have to look that up. No, they're. they're I think they're definitely terrorists, but well, they I are think they were supported but... by certain corporations like the Twins, extensive enterprises. You know, they had benefactors for differing reasons. Um, obviously, the Dreadnoughts were uh, oh, a man. mafia, a motorcycle gang, and also um, a heavy metal band. Cold. Slug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, like. The diversity was, it was what it was. It wasn't anvilicious. It wasn't on the nose. And again, today, in this day and age, you have people acting like they're innovating that. And it's been happening in nerd stuff for 50 years. So yeah. it's nothing new. And you know what I hate about it that? It was too? much better then because it just, it was what it was. It's like, hey, we have characters and here they are. You know what because I hate so about that I... too is if you look at mm-hmm. Giant Size X-Men number one, you open that up and the new X-Men are Wolverine, a Canadian, Nightcrawler, a German, Colossus, a Russian, Sunfire from Japan, Storm from Africa, and mm-hmm. then Banshee from Scotland. Like it really, mm-hmm. it really isn't, um, it's really not like a new idea. Yeah, well, okay, since you brought, uh, you, you said, um, you just reminded me, there's a lot of Asian, positive Asian characters in G.I. Joe. I mean, Storm Quick Shatter kick, started, Jinx. Quick Kick and Jinx were awesome. Uh, Storm Shatter started off as a villain, though he's fluctuated back to being a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several ninjas over the course of like the actual toy run and cartoon show. Oh, and um, Shipwreck was Hispanic. Yes. They, they kind of like... They didn't really focus that much on. on no, that's, again, they that's were focused, what's great about it. They, were, they weren't focusing on the ethnicities, but that's again, that's that's kind of like a what I do struggle with sometimes is that, especially I feel like this is uh, largely the case in comics nowadays, or has been for the last few years. It's like this character is this ethnicity. It's like okay, I'm fine with that. I actually am really fine with that. The problem is like they stop there. It's like. It's like, okay, well, what's their personality? Like, what's their, their flaws? Like, what makes them interesting? It's like, they're, you know, they're this ethnicity. They're gay. They're whatever. It's like, I'm cool it with that. them, yeah. yeah but I, I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm, it's like, okay, like, I accept that. Like, it's 20, it's 2021. Like, I'm, that's not a big thing for me. Like, I'm fine with that. I, what makes them interesting? And they don't, the problem I think is you have writers that aren't really that competent. So they don't. They stop there, but it's like look back at GI Joe, like there was all these different ethnicities and characters and everything, mm-hmm. and it was just like, yeah, they are this this particular whatever, but they're just really competent at their job. They're awesome heroes, and it's like you you accept that, and that actually does more, I feel, to move the goalposts to acceptance because you're like, yeah, okay, I accept that. Yeah, they're cool. You don't think and about it. That's like, well, yeah, but I think that's like positive like representation. Well, and here's here's the problem when they focus on that. Number one, a lot of these companies are hiring writers that work for cheap because that's they're not very good, and that's all the companies can afford. Look at the High Republic from Star Wars. All those writers are they're unknowns, and it's not in a good way. They're just terrible. So what happens is when you focus on that, when you say 
here's my character and they're defined by their race, sex, whatever, then it takes away from storytelling because all you're focusing is making sure all the boxes are checked. And then the story sucks because that's all you're focusing on. And every box you check, it takes time away from telling a coherent story. Whereas in the old days, G.I. Joe comic, by the way, we still haven't talked about it. It's awesome. Awesome stories that had characters, right, of diverse backgrounds. And that's it's that's what they were. Doc was a black American man. Great. He's a doctor. That's all I care about. Right. But then when in these new comics and, and movies and whatever else, when you start focusing on their identity, that's when the story hurts because you're taking time away from telling a story. And I've been saying this for like a year now. It yeah, finally dawned on me what's wrong with modern media. Well, you you have – I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to jump in. You have – first of all, Matt, quick call back. The name Nemesis Enforcer is a freaking awesome name. Second, um, <laughs> there's – when you're telling stories, having the opportunity to stop and do some character development is great. But the problem is when you come full stop and you spend like an entire issue just doing character development – you're not telling it like you said, Tim, you're not telling a story anymore. Correct. You're stopping to have an exposition dump. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, no, no. Look, weave this stuff in. Uh, one of my favorite comic series is is the JSA, early 2000s JSA. And they do a great job with that. Um, this is this is just an example off the top of my head since we're on it. But there was this whole thing about damage and he was going to kill Zoom, and Liberty Bell's trying to talk him down from it. And in talking damage down, she talks about her story, and it weaves in back and forth. It's not the whole thing is like Liberty Bell's story. She uses that to help damage come to terms with himself, and it's part of the story. And yeah, we're, we're getting exposition dumps that grind the whole story to a stop, and what happens is people get bored and check out. You know what's mm-hmm. funny about, you know, especially comics, is um, there was an interview with Christopher Priest a couple years ago because mm. he hadn't written anything for a couple years. And um, he finally came back and he started doing DC stuff, and they were asking him why. He's like, well, because all these comic companies would just call me and want to do black characters, and, like, I do not want to be... I don't want to be typecast because of my race. Like, I want to, you know, I want to write anything and everything and he's like and dc called me and he's like yeah i'm not interested like well we want you to do deathstroke and he's like okay i'm listening because they actually gave him like a legitimate offer and he came back and he did deathstroke for like yeah which I, I really want to read think, because i love christopher priest <laughs> i actually um i think i read that interview or parts of or at least i read excerpts of it and he's like look i'm a writer like i don't need to be pigeonholed into writing one voice like i can i'm a writer i am competent enough i can write any voice like that's what i can do and they initially you know companies weren't really interested in that but uh and he's extraordinarily competent like he he did a really amazing run on black panther in the late 90s early 2000s quantum and woody is another good one he did oh he yeah quantum and woody is actually a super underrated comic book like that's that was like a really really good series that i don't think gets enough recognition um yeah i actually i'd be interested is that part of the new they've they've uh, redone it a bit they it's become a thing of diminishing returns like the first couple were good but it's kind of like it's a little i i still have um 
I still have a DC Comics universe uh, subscription at least until May. I need to I need to really get on. That was like was was he doing the new Fifty Two? So he, was, he, he did. He did. So he's done Deathstroke for. I think he's done the whole series since Rebirth, or he's done a, a good majority mm-hmm. of it. And then he did like thirteen issues, maybe, of Justice League. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, I I really need to get on it. I've I'm I'm like years behind comics now at this point. I, I keep up with what's going on, but uh, there's a lot of series that I've I need to read, and I it's the most economical option is to just read them online. I just read the future state swamp things. I think, I don't know how he says his name. Is it Ram V or is it Ram five? It throws me off. Oh, I don't know. He did, he did mm. two issues for the future state swamp thing. And I actually enjoyed that a lot. So, and he's doing like a 10 issue one with some different guys swamp thing, which, um, which I'm always down for someone trying to take a decent swing at swamp thing. Mm-hmm. But he, because like people do some really dumb stuff with Swamp Thing, but his felt very, um, not not obviously not of that quality because nothing will ever touch that. But he he stuck very closely. It felt very Alan Moorish, like that Swamp Thing. Mm, okay. So um, those were good. So I'm 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 interested to see what his ten um, issue thing looks like. But. Um, I remember the name. I remember Christopher Priest being interviewed by Wizard about 20 years ago, something like that. Yeah. So I definitely remember the name. So now let's let's talk some GI Joe though. So now is issue 21 the the landmark um, silent issue? I think it's 21. Yeah, good good issue. I don't think I own it, but I'm not sure if I own it. Uh, I think I. I think I did get it as a gift, but I'm not sure if I still have it. it I don't know. It's um, really a remarkably good series that they had to navigate trying to sell toys to children every 10 issues because the Transformers comic didn't quite pull it off as well. <laughs> but like that G.I. Joe, the, the, it's legitimately it's legitimately like a great series. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Well, I attribute it's... it again. Larry Hama, like Larry Hama, his work was like fantastic. He's still doing them. Oh yeah, they they yeah they, he is still doing them because it's like into like the two sixties now I think because IDW brought that that version of it back. That continuity, you know, yeah. And uh, whenever we are eventually hitting like a post-COVID world and they have a convention, I really if I don't have issue twenty-one, that that really should be a goal to get that issue and have him sign it. Mm-hmm. He's um he's an interesting guy because I think he's like isn't he like a Vietnam vet? Yes. Mm-hmm. And is he is he I don't is he Korean or is he from or is he from Taiwan? I don't remember. I think he's isn't he originally from like from Hawaii? Maybe I was trying to. Think oh, let me, I I take it back. He was born in New York. So he yeah, was yeah. Korean. <laughs> I think it's to a Korean family. I think I don't remember. But you can tell, like, I think the thing, I think why the comics are so good, though, is I, you can just tell, like, I don't know if he was just starting out doing it as a gig, but, like, obviously it's become Larry Hama's baby and, like, he just loves G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's essentially become his life's work, but. Yeah, his magnum opus. Well, it's, are... it's, mm-hmm. it's an amazing series, like. Later on, when the toxic people come in and all that, <laughs> he he tried to make that 
when I say toxic people, that could be interpreted multiple ways, but mm-hmm. he tried to still make it good, but it eventually kind of fizzled out, but one through maybe 120, just amazing storytelling. Like I sent you guys that picture earlier tonight, like unmaskings, that angle was just awesome. That's when they find Billy and you guys mm-hmm. know who Billy is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cobra no. commander's son. So uh-huh. just so much drama and stuff. It, it was a great, great comic book series. Or, and I really want to get the collected editions soon. Or the, the special missions issues, which traumatized me greatly when that uh, Saw yeah, Viper, I like, just... How many Joes did that Saw Viper murder? He, ki- he killed, like, 12, a lot. didn't he? He killed quite a few, yeah. Because he, yeah. he killed Lifeline. I think he killed... Because do you remember the trading cards? Because I had the trading cards, and they, all the ones that he murdered had like a special card made of them. That's awesome! Oh wow! But he because they because they were on like a ship or something, and he just like straight up just like executed like a bunch of them, didn't he? I think that's how the story went. But yeah, I mean, just great comic that it it was a comic, but. Obviously, it wasn't for kids, right? I mean, kids could read it. I read it, but it was it. It's more enjoyable by adults. Let's put it that way. And it's the same. The same could be said for some of the cartoon episodes, like the Springfield one. What's it called? There's no place like Springfield. Dusty the traitor. Um, <laughs> I still what else? remember there's that a, Dusty episode. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple others that were more like the comic, not in the same continuity because they were definitely different. Even the characters were different instead of Duke and Scarlet. It was Snake Eyes and Scarlet, for example. But the storytelling itself in those episodes was more in line with the comic, more adult, more mature, ongoing storyline, stuff like that. So just a fantastic um, book. I even think like. Looking at it as an adult and seeing some of the cartoon, like even even Cobra, like has a certain, like there's a certain sophistication to their presentation of Cobra, like because sometimes like they're just trying to like make money because their budget's messed up, but like the same time like mm-hmm. they don't even they don't treat their people bad, like they kind of that's kind of how they lure people in is like with you know good pay and benefits and they have that like Antarctic base like that's like a recreation facility for their people oh and it was straight up populism i mean there's some comic issues and even cartoon episodes where he's like you know um you're getting treated like crap by society and come join us you know like a a club for people that feel like they're shortchanged in life so very very real to um uh uh, you know, real to life, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I, we've seen that happen. So I, I kind of yeah. come on in, don't drink the flavor I get. Like, <laughs> but like the problem I have though with the cartoon is, is the movie screws some of that up. So you kind of have to pretend like the movie didn't happen because Cobra being like a citizen of Cobra <laughs> Law, kind of like I feel like that cheapens some of like the <laughs> the social commentary that goes on. I think a lot of like diehard G.I. Joe fans probably do choose to ignore the movie. It's uh, it's, the the movie. I, I, as a kid, since I love G.I. like all things G.I. Joe, like I watched the movie like a lot and I enjoy the movie. Oh, the first three movies, the first three minutes are completely awesome where Cobra is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I, I enjoy the movie, but if you actually you know, like G.I. Joe overall as, as a property and enjoy the really kind of uh, quasi real life aspects of it, to the extent you can, I mean, obviously there's a lot, of, there's still a lot of like fantasy involved. But if you if you appreciate it more as like a conflict between a military organization against a terrorist organization, like yeah, you can you would be inclined to forget about the movie and some of the wackier aspects like uh like the toxic guys. I let me yeah. actually look let me actually look up what that was. I they do, had a name. I do like when um when Sergeant Slaughter's beating up Nemesis Enforcer, he's like his final elbow drops like this is for the US oh, yeah. of A. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah I forgot about that. <laughs> Eco Warriors was the, Eco Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. Cesspool like one of the main bad guys? He was, was, the he was like of, the head of them. Yeah. I actually like really like that figure. He had a, he came with like a helmet, and if you took the helmet off, his face was Huge like all helmet. scarred up. Yeah, I think I had that one. It was like a the shape of the helmet was kind of like a hexagon type thing. Yeah, yeah. They had a later figure in the same uh, Eco Warrior line called a uh, toxo zombie or it was like uh, a top uh, they had like a i think it was like a toxic zo- toxic viper because it was like a million different viper types yeah but he was uh he was supposedly had um been contaminated and mutated by waste by toxic waste and turned i remember into, like, that yeah. character yeah, it, it's you, almost like they sat down at the design table and said what is the most ridiculous design we can come up with that doesn't cross the line, and that's what they came up with. In uh, in like the mid two thousands, later two thousands, they just flat out when they were just doing more of like the um. I think this was like the, one of the last figures that may have been actually like in stores, like Toys R Us, before they moved to a like a direct consumer. They did a full on like zombie viper, where he was just like a, it was just like a zombie. I remember that. Yeah, they went a little weird, but <laughs> is this like the the Gator Bray Wyatt kind of thing going on, or uh, were they at that stage? It got, got weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you can ignore, you can ignore a lot of the the movie. It got, it got weird even by like the standards of GI Joe, which already had by that point. It got weird. Card- it started getting weird when they did like the whole <laughs> the Serpentor, Serpentor thing, which was like mm-hmm. I think that was really like a long series where they were stealing parts of like Dracula. And- yeah. Yeah. Attila the yeah. Hun. Yeah. Although I will say this, the movie gave us uh, Slaughter's Marauders, who are completely like underrated characters in the GI Joe universe. <laughs> I just universe. like the it one a... guy that like spits on the scorpion when they introduce him. Yeah, that was Mercer, I think, or maybe maybe it was Mercer. I don't know. Wasn't one of them a wrestler that was too rough for like the big leagues or something? I think that was like Tor. It was Mercer, Taurus, and Red Dog. And Red Dog was Samoan. Taurus was supposed to be like this Eastern European dude. And then Mercer was actually a former uh, Cobra member who uh, defected to G.I. Joe. Uh, and that that part of the movie is awesome because they had those dudes just like beating it, like kicking the shit out of uh, Falcon 
as they were all training <laughs> with yeah. a sergeant. Oh, Slaughter. I, no one likes Falcon. So yeah. I was going to say, if, if you were going to say one of them who's to, too rough for the big leads, I was going to say, did they make a Dr. D, Dave Schultz figure to go in there? Is I was about happened? to bring up Schultz. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is, is um, Falcon actually outranks like 95% of the Joes because there's only yeah. – like across the line, I remember looking at that once when they had all the trading cards and all my like files. There's really, if you look at how many officer rank level characters there are, there's maybe five. Because even like Duke and Flint are only like sergeants. No, Flint's a warrant officer. Okay, the Duke's only like a sergeant. Most of like the Joes are only like corporal level, and then you have like. Hawks obviously a general than Falcon. Well, he started general. out as a colonel. Okay. If I if I remember correctly. Matt. Okay. Uh, I can't remember. I I've always only remembered him as general. And so. I think, look it up. I think Scarlet or someone might have also. There was someone that was an officer that surprised me, but it was like Falcon and him and a couple other people. Yeah. Um. Boy, we had a hard stop there, didn't we? Well, I, I went. I, I went. To We're trying to we think to of who the other officer was. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Obviously, yeah. like Doc was an officer, um, being a doctor. Yeah. Um. Crap! I'm trying to find the first. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a colonel in his first release when he was just Hawk. There okay. was a Hawk one, and then, you know, the movie came out and all that, and he was General Hawk, so. Lady J was an E5 sergeant. Yeah, that's, like, a really low rank. Did they just have a glut of people around the sergeant they were area? Or... Okay. I'm looking at Chain of Command here and seeing what we've got. Let's see, so, Hawk. If I... Can I uh, can I throw something in here real quick? Yeah. Since we we're talking about um, wrestlers, mm-hmm. uh, in 2007 for the GI Joe Collectors Club, they actually did a Rowdy Roddy Piper figure. Yeah, I'm not I've even. Seen it, yeah. I'm not even joking. Like Tim would know, he was uh, he was supposedly the Iron Grenadier trainer. So Destro's a personal iron, uh, army of the Iron Grenadiers. Uh, he was supposed to be there. You know, like their their version of Sergeant Slaughter, <laughs> and there is actual there's an actual figure of him. Like a, I, I'd actually let me actually go on on eBay because I never even saw him. He was only like a, a collector's club exclusive, and I think he sells for like big bucks on eBay. Let me look it up. Let's see. There's there's Hawk and Flagger generals. Then there's Keel Hall. And Admiral Ledger or Vice Admirals. Um, and then Flint's a warrant officer. Then Wet Down is a chief warrant officer. Then Duke is a sergeant major. Um, command sergeant major. And then you have sergeant majors of Alti- Altitude, Beachhead, Mercer, Scarlet, Stalker. And then that's like the main level chain of command people there's no other officers uh gung-ho and no that's what <clears throat> that's what i'm this is what this is what just popped up from mm. putting gi googling 
G.I. Joe character ranks because I think I know I know like Falcon was a lieutenant but in the G.I. Joe like structure he's way down the the totem pole because he's a screw up (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, he's that officer (laughs) to uh I thought maybe Covergirl was gonna be like um gonna be I should look up her because she's like a, a She's a media person, so she might have a, um, like, an officer rank is um, kind of, you know, just a formality. I just looked oh. it up. Uh, the Roddy Piper figure I was just mentioned, he mm-hmm. is currently, the cheapest price is $625. Oh, my God. That's not including shipping. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah, he's a pretty rare figure. Cover girl's a sergeant. Okay. Yeah, there's too a... many. Mm-hmm. There's too many to name here, but like Spirit was a army captain. Um, trying to see some other big names. Uh, Psych Out was an army captain. Okay, so there's um, some, there's there's some officers yeah. in there. Let's look at Navy really quick. Like, uh, sh- no shipwrecks a non-com. Let's see. I don't know who that is. Tail hook. Uh, that's pretty funny. There was a scandal in the Navy operation. Was, tail hook. He's the lieutenant. I was going to say that that didn't age very well, did it? No, it didn't. And Cutter that drove the uh, the shark or not the shark, the whale. He was a commander. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Oh, what was Wild Bill's rank? He might have been an officer. I think he was a lieutenant. Let's check it out. No, uh, chief warrant officer, level four. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, God, the, we, what were you going to say, Matt? We, we remember the weirdest characters. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking up this... Uh, I didn't realize, like... Okay, Flint's pretty high up there. I didn't realize that Gung-Ho was pretty high. Yeah, because Gung-Ho... I guess I never really thought. I never really thought about it. I just, like, would follow, I guess, like, the, the cartoon, where it's like, okay, Duke's, like, commanding everyone, so I guess Duke's, Duke's the boss. Yeah, I didn't really think about who, uh, where the other the rank is. A, a lot of your, a lot of your, based on what I'm seeing, a lot of your, a lot of your command structure characters were in those like first one or two waves, and then they started filling it in with like lower level ones. But like, mm-hmm. like Duke, Flint, Gung Ho, and and Scarlet were all like really early. I don't know if Scarlet was the first because Lady J might have beat her, but it was either her or Lady J were first on the figure front. Or it might have been Cover Girl with the uh, Wolverine. I'm not sure. Oh, that's true. Now, Cover Girl was but, never in the cartoon, was she? Yeah, she was. Okay, I just don't. I I, I remember her from the comics, mm-hmm. and um, I always found her interesting because she was like their their media liaison. But I didn't remember her being in the. Yeah. Oh, now. Um, did it now? I don't think we've ever talked about it on the show, but this is a rabbit hole I went down randomly. But did you know that in the cartoons, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Inhumanoids, and Gem all theoretically exist in the same world because the, this yep. news reporter, I can't remember his name and I didn't get a chance to Google it, is in each show and he is like the same character in each show. Yeah, uh, Hispanic name. I know. Uh, like, I know who you're talking. Is it Hector or something? Yes. Hector Ramirez, maybe. Yeah, something like that. that. Sounds right. Let me look it up. 
Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. But but then there was there there's a theory that one of the Earth Core members in Inhumanoids is a former GI Joe. Mm-hmm. To further, but I, I think that I think that's actually would have been a cool idea if someone would round about to that do that and bring the Inhumanoids back is to make them like a special sub Earth section of GI Joe fighting them in the same universe. <laughs> Yeah. Which ones did you which ones did you mention? Inhumanoids, Gem, Transformers, and G.I. Joe. Okay, so uh, I'm I'm on a website that is actually listening more, which I don't know about, but one they did say as being part of this part of the same universe is Mask. Oh which, I remember that. Which yes. does that 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 one I think is actually like official canon because they uh, made some figures. Of, yes, in some of the the more direct to consumer uh, in the in the mm-hmm. mid and late two thousands, they did at least a Matt Tracker character who was the Correct. main character for Mask. They did a um, Miles Mayhem who was the main villain in Mask. Like they had not they like retconned Miles Mayhem as like uh, Venom, which was the evil organization he led. Like Venom was supposed to be like a kind of a research and development wing of Cobra, so he was like a subsidiary of Cobra. So that that is canon part of the same universe. I had I'm I'm looking because I want to make sure I've got the right name, but I had a mask figure with his vehicle that was like a Camaro Z28 with gull wings on it, as I remember. But I I don't remember which character it was supposed to be. He wasn't a bit like he. I don't think I don't think the I think the Camaro was only no that's uh, yeah. Oh, that's I've got it here. That was yeah, that was Matt Tracker in the Thunderhawk with the Spectrum mask. Wikipedia has been That's really like handy. That's like the iconic Tracker. Yeah, it's a red Camaro with a gull that transformed into a gullwing fighter jet. Oh my lord! <laughs> okay, wow. Just the physics behind that bends my mind. And you'd fall right out unless you had your seatbelt on. <laughs> Now let's let's uh let's let's divert a little here. So why don't we talk about who some of our actual favorite GI Joes are? Because we've thrown a lot of names out here, but I know I know we all have our favorites. Um, we can do we can do from both sides of it because I I think there's a lot of interesting people on both sides. I kind of like Dusty because of the the, the Trader episode. I always thought he yeah. was one of the best character episodes. And then I think I always liked kind of your standard guys. Like I always liked Bazooka because, you know, he was like wearing a jersey essentially out there. Um, Roadblock was always cool. And Sergeant Slaughter is, you know, <clears throat> fun. And, and I think I think every kid liked Duke at the time because he was like the leader guy. Duke was I okay. like Flint more. Yeah, I liked Flint more. Yeah, Flint was like, good. Flint, Flint was really cool. Obviously, like Snake Eyes was obviously like really cool because he's a ninja. Oh yeah. Um, for the Joes, I, I liked Flint a lot. I liked uh, I liked Spirit. I like Spirit a lot. I actually I like I actually like Spirit Figured. better than Snake Eyes, and I like the Spirit rivalry with Storm Shadow a lot. Yeah. Um, I liked Shipwreck in the cartoon a lot. I thought he was like a ton of fun. 
You, you took didn't... my two favorites already, Snake Eyes and Shipwreck. Yeah, the thing I loved about Shipwreck in the cartoon is that I don't I forget who exactly it's a I, I forget who the voice actor is, but he's he's actually done like a million voices. He's up. one of those guys like if you look him up, he's he's done like he's worked consistently for like 30, 40 years. Um, he was basically just doing like a Jack Nicholson impression <laughs> with Shipwreck, <laughs> but it worked. It was actually really fun. <clears throat> uh, it's the same guy that voiced uh, Hector Ramirez. It's Neil Ross. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, I liked Quick Kick a lot. We mentioned before. Quick Kick was basically the stand-in for Larry Hama. Like they had like the yeah. same. Didn't he get murdered by the Saw Viper in the comics? I actually think he did die in the comics. Um, you know, I I will say it is one of the only. I did like a couple of the characters from the movie. Like I liked Big Lob just because his like sports commentary oh, okay. was funny, and um, yeah. Jinx kicking. Beachhead's ass was pretty funny. <clears throat> I like Tunnel Rat in that movie. Oh yeah, he's good too. I actually like Beachhead because he is a surly fuck. Oh, Beachhead is awesome. Like they actually. Oh yeah. Did they use him that much in the cartoon? I don't really remember that. Yeah, much. yeah, he, he was really gruff and. Uh, yeah. He was kind of like yeah. um, he reminds me a lot as an adult of what Ironhide is like in the Transformers. Like he's just this surly, mm-hmm. kind of like grizzled vet. Southerner, but it, yeah. Yeah, but I mean that makes sense in the context that he's essentially before you, you had you included Sergeant Slaughter as actually like on screen character. Like uh, Beach Hab is basically like your drill sergeant. Like he, he had to be like tough as nails. Yeah. Well, that's I mean that's what that's what he was in the movie because like he they were the rawhides where it was like mm-hmm. Jinx, Big Lob, Tunnel Rat, and um, Falcon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for Cobras, did you guys have favorites? I mean, obviously, like Storm Shadow is a lot of people's favorites just because he's he's a ninja. complex like, too. Yeah. Um, I Baroness actually like she's hot. Yeah, I like most. Of, <laughs> I like most of like the Cobra Command. Like Cobra Commander, like was there's so many different like versions of Cobra Commander, and he ranges from the cartoon version who. You know, it's kind of like cowardly, um, to and megalomaniacal. Megalomaniacal. Yeah. There's too many syllables. Yeah, you're you're making me Um, question myself, and I could have said that (laughs) fine any other time. Megalomaniacal. But then you have other versions of Cobra where of Cobra Commander where he's presented as like ultra competent and incredibly dangerous and sinister. I think. I don't know if it was the uh, the short-lived G.I. Joe Renegade series or if it was G.I. Joe Sigma 6, one of those two. It's the one or that Resolute, was... Resolute, right? Oh, maybe it was Resolute. Yeah, Which one... All good. Was... <sighs> who who wrote that? Did, like, uh, Grant Morrison or Warren Ellis write one of those? <sighs> I, I don't remember. It but I know when Resolute some... came out, it was awesome. I was excited for it, and I wasn't okay. Okay, Tim, it was Resolute, and that series, so. which which was not even that, it was a very limited series. I only did one season of it. Um, mm-hmm. That was written by Warren Ellis, and that Cobra oh, Commander awesome. was Cobra Commander was like like a badass. Like he was just wasting folks mm-hmm. and just really competent, really sinister, and that. 
there's been so many different versions of the character. I think the one I actually like appreciate is the, is the version that I think you would probably appreciate, Brad, is that he's presented as he is kind of like a populist who is winning people over by being very charismatic and playing upon their real life grievances. No, that's like, my, yeah, that's my favorite. That's what I was saying earlier. Yeah. 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 The government has screwed you over. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. they've taken your business. Like, but you know what? You can come work for me. Like we can build a better future. Mm-hmm. And, but then also at the same time being really sinister and conniving and manipulative, mm-hmm. but in a very like smart, intelligent way. Um, again, there's some versions that are, some versions are better than others. You have the cartoon version, which was, um, I like the cartoon version a lot just because even though he was mostly presented as like a kind of like a sniffling coward in some respects, uh, it was it just his, the voice work was so good. Wasn't that Lorenzo music? No, it was a star screams uh, voice actor. Yeah. Who was that? Chris, it was Chris, um, Chris Lotta. Chris Lotta. I don't, I, Lotta, I don't think yeah. he's alive anymore. <laughs> no. No, he died very early. I feel like he died like early '90s, maybe. Mm-hmm. Cause he, cause um, that's, that's what I miss. I mean, I'm not. I'm not encouraging anyone to smoke, but I miss some of those <laughs> those those voice actors from my childhood that like are obviously the result of like a three pack a day habit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. This is just a quick aside. Um, if you're into Battletech at all on YouTube, there's a text talks Battletech series from a group, a channel called the Black Pants Legion. The guy that does it ends up talking like this because he used to smoke and drink a lot. And then he had some sort of um, recurring condition that messed his throat up even more. He's quit drinking and smoking now, but his voice is still that way. But that means that he talks about Battletech like this. And I it, it wouldn't be the same if he didn't have that. I like how you're doing but... your Wade Barrett voice. Like, I'm Wade Barrett. <laughs> oh, I do commentary. I've got some bad news. I've got some oh, no, bad the Wade news. Barrett voice, the Wade Barrett voice, I'd, I'd have to throw in my god-awful English accent on top of it. I, I smoke I smoke Paul Malls to get this manly <laughs> voice. I'm Wade Barrett, and I've got some bad news. <laughs> yeah, that's my awful British accent. <laughs> that sounds like your Lucille, a lot like your Lucille Ball, too. I have a Lucille Ball. That's what, what? That's about where you start for a Lucille Ball. You just say Ricky a lot. <laughs> there was like no, a, I just go get the weird. There was like a there that. was like an MST3K where they were doing like a Lucille Ball voice for some reason. They're like, ah, Ricky. <laughs> I think Crow or Tom was doing that. I think uh, a, I, would... I think Doctor Mindbender was interesting. Um, he was interesting. He's probably the most terrifying of the Cobras because he's very Mangala in, his, <laughs> in I think his how they designed him at the time. Or what about this slimy scumbag Aussie Major Blood? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. just oh, like yeah. a mercenary through and through. <laughs> um, Metalhead was... from like the later stuff. I liked him, even uh, though... from like the Sunbow series. Yeah. He was actually a Iron Grenadier. Yeah, I um, I actually was a big like mark for Zartan and all the Dreadnoughts. Yep, because they were they were alternately presented as like like not quite hillbillies, but basically like a biker gang slash uh, well, really kind of like crazy hillbillies slash like international. Weren't they kind of just like just... they were kind of well, no, they were kind of like. 
They were kind of like punk Euro trash, weren't they? They were like all of that. They're, well, they're, one, they're one many was, different tropes. One was Australian, one was English, and one was maybe from New Zealand, I think. Am I wrong? Like no, the original. Multinational, team. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you had um, Monkey Ranch, and they brought in all these others. One of my favorite in terms of like the toys was Road Pig. Oh, with the big three, the Roman numeral three club. Oh, he had like a cinder block. Yeah. 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 But it was like in the shape of a Roman numeral three, if I remember. Oh, I didn't even pay attention. All I know is like I was a big fan of that toy because he was like, he was substantially larger than a lot of the (laughs) other toys. And again, because I used him as like wrestling figures, I basically had him be like, like a Vader type. He would, (laughs) he would just like waste (laughs) other people. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at names now because they're harder to remember. Let's see. Copperhead was okay. Oh, he was the driver of the uh, water moccasin, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, he was like mean, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was Frank like, really Wilker. Mean. Nice. I think um, Destro is interesting just from like a lore perspective. Oh, I love Destro. Yeah. And then the. Now, I don't think people will remember this because he didn't last long. But do you remember, like, the first, like, couple issues of the of the comic had Dr. Venom that they replaced with Dr. Mindbender? No. I remember that character. Yeah. Oh, Firefly. Firefly was, like, my favorite. He had a really good toy. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, like, a bomb guy, you know? So yeah. he's, like, yeah, the real he's a, uh, He was a saboteur. <laughs> Yes. I'm just looking at like the, now. They there's a lot of really notable Joes, but they um they they allow when some of them of course some of the the cobras were like Ooh, really Piper's wacky. a Piper's a cobra, according to yeah this. he was a cobra he was a Destro Iron Iron Grenadier. Uh, some of the the cobra people were like wacky like again like Crocmaster I mentioned and you also had like <laughs> Raptor who was like bird themed they, oh, they got great. a little weird. Yeah. But they did allow like some freedom where some of those Cobra characters were really like fun and unique. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Like, I mentioned a lot of them. Um, trying to see if like there's a list of Cobras. The problem with the Cobras is like you have cool stuff <laughs> like the bats, but like they're not really a character. They were just like a cool looking like mook to get shot. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like almost like with the stormtroopers in, in in Star Wars. Although those are actually supposed to be humans, but that's obviously oh, like a, a cartoon for kids. It's like okay, well we need to have basically disposable mooks. Mm-hmm. So let's just make them all like androids. That's like with uh, since we talked about the show last week. That's like with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's like, oh, well, how do we have a villain that they can just like oh, yeah. slice and dice every week? Oh, we'll make the Foot Clan robots. Yeah. yeah, you don't feel as bad, and you can get past the censors. Mm-hmm. I like the... honestly, that's a clever enough move that I, I kind of have to appreciate it. Oh, I'm, I just looked him up. Uh, Guillotine was one of my favorites. He was like a former Navy SEAL that joined Cobra because the SEALs weren't ruthless enough. <laughs> I did not. That's like file card goodness right there. I will say though, I don't like Serpentor, and I don't even think I liked him very much as a kid. 
Me neither. That's when I it started kind of going downhill for me on the cartoon. He was a little too, because like I feel like, I feel like even the Cobra people, and I know it's a cartoon, so everything is a little one dimensional. But like, I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like that original Cobra crew, like Cobra Commander Baroness Destro, and um, I can never say the twins' names right. Can one of you bail me out? Tomax and Zaymon. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I feel like they had some depth to them, and they had like a certain rapport among them. That and Serpentor screwed that all up because Serpentor was like a comic book like villain, whereas I don't feel like those characters necessarily were. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like there was always like Cobra Commander, you know, doing his thing and being okay, and then some combination of Destro. Or Baroness being like, hey, you know, let's not do that because this will screw things up. And Cobra Commander's like, no, don't tell me how to do my job. And then it blows up in his face because he didn't listen to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just didn't care for Serpentor. And it got a little that's where it started dipping, I think, a little too heavy into sci fi. And I, like the the later series past like the original series, like. I don't know. It just felt like more cartoony violence than real violence. Like the first, um, the first series felt like it just felt like the stakes were different, I guess. And and like that, they were getting more into like the ridiculous, like ma- machinery versus where even in like the original series, even when they would get into the goofier stuff you still had like your standard issue tanks and like jets flying around yeah yeah so, I, I i didn't like them i did i saw I you getting cartoony and the the, the I saw you bring up the later Brad, i saw you bring up serpentor and it I, it triggered a memory in my head so i went looking i was like why does serpentor look so much like cobra from dc comics Cobra came out in the mid '70s, so I was like, "Oh, oh, you know, I I've never thought about that, but you're right. Like that character design is basically like the same." Yeah, not not the more common, the the more recent one that has the hood, but with the 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 flat Cobra snake hood, that's totally what that is. Okay, even um even the Society of Serpents and Marvel might have been what they based it on because he's very um no sorry what were they called in the Brotherhood of Serpents? What's the what's the white supremacist group in Marvel? The Serpent one? The Serpent uh, Society? Yeah, Serpent Society. He's very... Are they, oh, whoa, are they supposed to be white supremacists? Yes. Oh, wow, I missed that a lot, on a lot. <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, even even <laughs> going back to their early thing, even like their early appearances, they've always been... Um, had this weird, like... I felt like one of the, the Serpent Society guys was African-American. I think they were like a they're a racist group they're a hate group of some sort. Because they, they their first appearance in the Avengers in like the the mid to late sixties so I mean like I'd have to go back I could be wrong on that but I've always thought they were at like a what was the name on it again Serpent Society. Serpent Society. I'll see if I can find something here real quick. Well, and going back to Baroness, you know, not only is she good looking but i liked her file card it's like hey she was like a student you know um wherever the hell it was somewhere in europe and then she kind of got radicalized in school and to the point where she just joined this terrorist organization 
And I could see that happening, you know, they, so that I kind of like that background. They gave it, they actually gave her, at least in some iterations, they gave her like a plausible and, mm-hmm. and almost like sympathetic <laughs> story. Cause I mean, she's in, in the context of like the comic, the cartoon, a lot of, she's evil, mm-hmm. like she's not a good person, but mm-hmm. she, she became radicalized because like her brother was killed. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, that's a very real life human tragedy that you can see how this would radicalize someone. And yeah. I mean, this was years before. Well, I mean, obviously this stuff, this, this has been going on for a long time. And now since probably since nine 11, we can understand how people like in the middle East have become radicalized because of various different reasons. But you're not really contemplating that back in like the eighties when <coughs> these characters were being developed, but it's okay. really, actually, it's really complex. I was going to say, it sounds like your description of her sounds like that she joined the Weather Underground movement. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it exactly. kind of is like parallels to that, yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting <laughs> is if you read the original final card and you read interviews with with Larry, um, she wasn't supposed to be European, and then the cartoon pretty much established that. But she was like a born in America. Because if I'll just read the final card really quick. The spoiled offspring of wealthy European aristocrats, the Baroness graduated from student radicalism into international <laughs> terrorism and finally into the ranks of Cobra. She was severely burned during a Cobra night attack, uh, blah, blah, blah. So the rest isn't relevant. But yeah, his original idea was she was like this American, at least born in America. Maybe her parents were Euro- European. And then she just kind of, you know, got involved in European politics, kind of like, you know, a lot of college students do. So that's, that's really interesting and true to life. Yeah. So, so I looked you at, just said that, I, and it, it flashed back to my old college terrorism class. I was like, oh. <laughs> I um, I looked Got it up. Too, huh? I looked it up. It's not the Serpent Society in Marvel that was the white supremacist group. It was the Sons of the Serpent, which predated okay. the Serpent Society by a lo- quite a few years. Hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of them, to be honest with you. They pop up from time to time, but that's one I don't think you encounter unless you get deep into the Marvel universe. Kind of like some of those groups that popped up in the, the JSA run like that everyone Cobra would have forgotten about. And like, like DC. Cobra and Perdegaton and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we'd be remiss in not talking about like the origin of Real American Hero. Does it remind you of anything? Just think about it's 1982. The cartoon came out. The comic came out. The toys. What What does it remind you of? Hulk Hogan. Nope. <laughs> Even though he stole that from Barry Windham. So and think Michael think about this. And it was actually pitched this way, so it's not just a coincidence. But think of Nick Fury versus Hydra. It was pitched as G.I. Joe is Nick's son or something like that. Oh, the Howling Commandos spinoff? Fury Force, yeah. It was going to be called Uh Hydra. And, you know, Hydra's like Cobra, sort of. And then it said, they said, no, let's just make it its own thing. And then G.I. Joe was born. So that's kind of how it originated. Wow. Yeah. Man, we could have had a part of that. Right? Marvel uh, published the comic for over 10 years so you're saying if marvel hadn't screwed that up we could have had samuel l jackson in a in a (laughs) gi joe movie (laughs) probably so or david hasselhoff (laughs) 
You know, it, it, now, listen, Tim, we got a rule here. We don't hassle the Hoff, okay? <laughs> so why do you think they screwed the two movies up, the, the live action ones? Do you think it's just not, do you think it's just a, a hard source material to pull from to do like a good movie? Or do you think Hollywood just screwed it up? Who, who did the first movie? Like director? Oh God. I don't remember. What Michael Bay was it? No, I don't think so. I, I just don't, I think it was bad creators. I think you can adapt anything well. It's not going to look exactly like, think of X-Men in 2000. You know, they didn't have on spandex, yellow and oh. blue, but it was a good movie. I think they did a good job taking the characters and adapting them true to what they were in the comics, even though they didn't look like it and stuff like that. I think they could have done the same with G.I. Joe, but they didn't. It was. So, Summers um, was the director, and then John Chu did Retaliation. Okay. Yeah, Stephen Summers... The guy who did the Mummy, the Mummy Returns, and the Scorpion King and Van Helsing, so, and Deep and Deep Rising, like he oh yeah, has, Deep Rising, he right. actually has done some fun movies like the Mummy, the Mummy movie, at least the first one, the and first Deep one, Rising, yeah. well, and Deep Rising are both way more fun than they have any right to be. Like they're actually like like fun movies. Okay, um, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you how to do the perfect GI Joe movie, and it's really mm-hmm. simple. You say. Hey, Mel Gibson, here's a bunch of money. Go make a G.I. Joe movie. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, I, I will say I mean, he's a... he still makes good action movies. Like if if Mel Gibson is attached to an action movie, it's usually good. The last Mel Gibson movie I saw was probably didn't he do like Hacksaw Ridge from a few years back? Yeah. Which I think he actually got nominated uh, for. It got nominated, I think, maybe as Best Picture, or maybe he even got nominated as Best Director. Like, that's actually a really good film. Whatever one might feel about his personal life, and how he might be as a person, like, he does actually make... He actually is a very good filmmaker. Yeah. I just get twitchy whenever someone... A director is turned loose with, do whatever you want. Hmm. That's all. I, <laughs> that I still, worries me a little. I still laugh at that South Park one, where he's like acting like Daffy Duck. He's like, are you going to torture my nipples? <laughs> Actually, you know, you know what was, what, 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 if you rebranded it and like re-released it would make good G.I. Joe movies are the expendable movies. Yeah. You know what? That's a really good point. That would have really worked because they, they fit that really well. Actually, I, the second expendables, expendables movies underrated because Jean-Claude Van Damme's really good in that. I've sadly only seen like the first one. Um, I've seen I'll, the first one, yeah. Although I I think I have an opening to watch all of them because my I was like flipping through randomly, I was just like flipping through like one of my one of the streaming channels I have and I have like five at this point. <laughs> and I was just like flipping through to see like what movies were available. Maybe it was like HBO Max. And like I lingered on like Expendables because I forgot about those films, and my wife was just sitting there on the couch with me, and she's like, "Oh, like what are these movies?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, like they did these movies with Sylvester Stallone, all the other like action movie stars." She's like, "Oh, I'd, I'd watch that." I'm like, secretly in my mind, I'm like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I, can, I can watch all these movies." Like she's down for that. My wife actually likes action films, uh, and she's a big Sly Stallone fan, so I could probably convince her to see those. We I love how excited you were there. Man. We did it. <laughs> yeah, I look. I love. I I'm a kid of like gr- who grew up on like 80s, 90s, like dumb B movie 
and non B movie action flicks. Like I'm totally down. I still love those. We can love get it. we should uh, we should get friend of the show Christy Petrillo on <laughs> uh, because he is he has seen trust me he has seen dozens and dozens and dozens more dumb action films than I've ever seen. He could talk uh, endlessly about them. Do you know? Is I have to say he's a Red do Brown you know which, fan. Um, do you know which excellent 80s action movie has the fabulous Freebirds in the opening parts of it? Yeah, uh, Highlander, Highlander, Highlander 2. Yeah, well, no, Highlander no, 1. First... Highlander 2 oh, is, is not one? excellent. Okay. Highlander well, 2 is like I the future one. <laughs> I have a friend applaud. from Scandinavia, and he always talks about this movie. We need to ask Chris if he's seen or heard of it. It's called American Cyborg Steel Warrior. I'm oh, gonna, I bet you he has. I'm going to say by the name he has, and he probably has it on Blu-ray. It's a, it's a Terminator ripoff, but from what I've seen, he's shown us clips of it in the, the trailer. It actually looks fun. Even though it looks terrible, it looks fun as all get out. It sounds like that running gag from Community of Kick Puncher, Robot from the Future. Robot oh, yeah. Yeah future that was a that's good what it sounds like joke. i think yeah. i also love um because we, we we did a tour we watched die hard and i think we watched <laughs> lethal weapon and lethal weapon is just an excellent movie just because of the christmas movie yeah because um uh, oh who was who was mel gibson's partner who played him danny glover danny yeah danny glover. danny glover just being this nerd that's horrified by like mel gibson's like anti-social behavior <laughs> for the whole movie is just hilarious Okay, guys, another confession. Have you not seen Lethal Weapon? Lethal Weapon? None of them. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck, Shad. Hey, give me, give me a second. I got, <laughs> hey, I got over the hump with Betelgeuse. Just give me some time. Have they done... Did they do Lethal Weapon 5? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, they, I know they did a, a Lethal Weapon TV show, which I did not watch a single episode of, but I, I've watched... I've watched Lethal Weapon one and two probably multiple times. You know what? Lethal I, Weapon three and four were not that good. Um, but. which was the one with Sean Connery? Is that the Untouchables? That's like the the what? gangster movie. Yeah, that was Untouchables. Oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. I need to watch that. I've been get, I've been just yeah, and, uh, to watch that. What's his name? Uh, Costner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's a confession. I've seen Die Hard probably uh, who knows how many times, countless times. I've never seen two and beyond. And they, they, uh, they... I, I've seen two, two I didn't really care for. I see number three, Die Hard with a Vengeance with um. That one was okay. Samuel L. I actually like like that one a lot. I've seen it a lot of times. I haven't seen beyond that though. No, mm-hmm. I haven't either. I don't like when they 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 do like the twenty years later and it's like some fifty year old guy still trying to like. Except the I do want to see <laughs> the Apollo Creed movies though because the second one with him trying to like take on um Dolph Lundgren oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I've heard those movies are amazing and they're kind of like Cobra Kai where they take the original franchise and they mm-hmm. honor it and yeah. continue it so I'm really excited about seeing those movies soon maybe in the next month I'll see them I have Three. seen both uh, go ahead Matt oh yeah oh go ahead Shad no, if no, you've no. seen these movies please talk no. <laughs> I haven't but Cobra Kai and Creed, it, they fulfill what I would wish you would have more creators do is instead of I'm going to go take this thing that people like and I'm going to change it or I'm going to retool it or something it's like just take it and build on it. Make some new characters 
do what you want to with those. Time into the existing characters so people have a hook. Quit trying you to know, go back and I think Creed though had stuff. Stallone like di- with creative direction though. Shad, yeah, I actually want to thank you so much. You have hit exactly what my issue is because there's a lot of there's a ton of nostalgia now. Yeah, and you can do it the right way, which I actually completely agree with you. I think Cobra Kai. And the Creed, the two Creed movies, I think they do exactly what you should do. You mm-hmm. take something that obviously you have nostalgia for, but you don't just like throw it out there and it's like, hey, you guys remember this? Here's more of the same. Like, no, it's like it gets it gets like the foot in the door, and then you build upon it and you create essentially. Yeah, like well, like Cobra new Kai, new characters, new premises, etc. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cobra Kai is not only it's not only Machio and Lawrence like doing the same characters again but at the same time they're building this whole new cast of characters that if they wanted to keep doing stuff with they'll have those people available in the future when when Lawrence and Machio are are too old and broken down to keep doing this stuff mm-hmm. they keep building on it expand on it grow it out don't turn around and be like, well, I'm going to do my version. Nobody gives a shit about your vision for it. They want to see, yeah, they want to see the version they know and love, and if you want to add to it, that's great. They had the, um, they had a couple of Green Lanterns they added in the last five, ten years or so, but they added them. They didn't replace existing Green Lanterns, and then they yeah. were able to explore different stuff with them. Like, one of them was, was like, in- incredibly uh, like high strung anxiety oh, disorder um, stuff. Crap, I can't think of her name. Yeah, but then I, they. I, I can't either. Then they, then they, but yeah, but the, but the problem is like, and the other one was Simon Baz. Like they finally get him yeah. over the hump. We're like, oh, like I kind of like him. It's like, oh yeah, we're just not going to use him anymore because we're on to the next thing. And it's like, but, but like they you... quit using him and they killed her. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but in concept. That's what they did is they they added and they grew from it. And for God's sakes, just do that. Don't reinvent the wheel because nobody cares about your octagon wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go back to the crude uh, – crude. to go back to the Creed movies. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. The Creed movies are actually very good. If you haven't seen them, I suggest uh, – I will soon, yeah. They, they're, they're very good in part because – uh, they're both either written or co-written by Sylvester Stallone. So mm-hmm. he, I mean, he obviously this is he created these characters. He, this is like his 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 baby, um, mm-hmm. and he's a much he he's a much better like filmmaker and screenwriter than give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Like he's he plays the, essentially the um, the Mickey role in the first movie, and the first movie is very good, very dramatic. Um, I liked it a lot. Cree two. I don't think it's as good, but it's still a fun movie. Uh, the pr- only problem with that is that basically my wife and I watched that, and no offense to Michael B. Jordan, who I think is actually a, a fantastic actor, uh, and I think he does a really good job playing uh, Creed, but we, my wife and I were kind of rooting for um, Victor Drago <laughs> against him. <laughs> uh, but they actually do some really interesting and dramatic stuff with those characters, like he Victor Drago obviously is he's he's the son of Ivan Drago and there's there's like clear rationales as to why he's fighting um, Creed but then by the end they kind of like subvert those um, mm-hmm. but it actually adds a lot to the story 
and actually it's very compelling it actually grows them as characters so it's really good i recently watched rocky one and two and man carl weathers as apollo is so good like just he he is underrated just like how um two's really underrated just like how he can't let it go that he couldn't break him and like he just Mm -hmm. he's obsessed with it in his fight and his like trainer's like dude like you could you like no like I think there's a scene where he's like, I saw you beat that man like I've never seen a man beat before. And he just kept coming at you like you need to, like, drop this and move on. That's actually the guy that it's it's his trainer that ends mm-hmm. up, like, I think, training Rocky and four. Yeah. But man, like, it's just, they're really good movies. Like, even like, you know, his um, um, Adrian's like. Is it Polly is the brother that she's yeah. a dick yes. Paulie, yeah. but just like Carl Weathers is so good because he's just like he's such like an arrogant prick in like the first one and then he's just like he's like on this mission and all these people are telling him not to do it and then he just he mm-hmm. just gets smashed in the face at the end they uh and they, they cover some of this in in the Creed movies because Adonis Creed is as you find out, he's 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 Creed's son, but he's basically his illegitimate son. Mm-hmm. So he he didn't have like Apollo had him with another woman other than his wife. Mm-hmm. But Apollo's wife actually raises him and accepts him, essentially adopts him as a son. And the thing that is one of the I'll, I'll like spoil this for you. Like one of the things that is actually quite beautiful about those films and just the way they present the characters is that they don't have her be resentful. They have her basically come to terms with her husband's infidelity and take the child and raise him and loves him. Like she, that's, that is for all purposes, her son, like doesn't matter that it's not her biological son. Like she does love him. And that actually gives him like a stable environment. And part of the reason why he, he has like a chip on his shoulder in the films is that he's still trying to live up to the legacy of his father. And then of course, like you have, you have Rocky come in and Rocky and, uh, Apollo and the in the overall context of the Rocky story, you know, they were like heated rivals, but then they become best of friends. And that plays a lot into this. Like in the films, I'm really kind of spoiling this for Tim, but in the no, films No, I, I spoilers aren't a thing for me, don't worry. In the film, like Rocky plays the role essentially as like an, an uncle. And that is really how Creed actually views him. He views him like an mm-hmm. uncle. Like there, are, there are some very personal moments in the film, both with Rocky and with Creed throughout both films, where Rocky is—it's very much cemented that he's a part of this kid's life and important. Like he's family to him, um, which again I just think is like strong writing. Uh, and again, like I mean, this is this is Sylvester Stallone's writing. Um, he's doing a really great job with it. This, it's those are both good movies. I don't want to hype it up where it's like, oh my god, this is the best movie ever. But I feel like both films are pretty solid. Like you'll watch those, and I don't think you'd be like, well, I wasted my time. Like those are really good, yeah. strong films. Do you get a Mr. T cameo? Hey, woman. No, and I don't know. Or Thunderlips. Look it up. I think Creed two came out. <laughs> Creed two came out. Oh, I guess it came out like two years ago. And obviously things are weird now with the pandemic. I actually feel okay. Oh wow! Okay, I'm looking it up. Uh, I guess they are going to do a Creed three. This one is actually going to be directed by Michael B. Jordan. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know where they're going to go with it. I think, I think they actually the rumor 
which I don't know if they're going to do this, but the rumor is that they actually wanted to get real-life boxer Deontay Wilder as the villain, and he allegedly is supposed to play, like, the son of Clubber Lang, which it's like... Oh, is he going huh. to stop... Um... I... Is he gonna stop kinda, throwing everyone under the bus for losing to Tyson Fury before then? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't kind of. I don't know about this. Like, I Deontay Wilder is a. It would be interesting, but I think they kind of already played the son of a former Rocky villain card. You don't have Victor to make Tago. him. Yeah, you don't have to make him a son. Just make him someone clever lying trained. Yeah, protege. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah, don't e- either way, I like it. I don't and, know if I would have clever lying be like showing up but one thing i actually thought would be really interesting i I doubt they'll do it but if if i was like fantasy writing this like fantasy booking it um i i thought it would be you have a dude who basically would be like an x before conor mcgregor because you mean you had the whole mayweather yeah uh mcgregor boxing match you could have a dude come in and he's like an mma star and then you hype it up it's like, oh, he's making, he's entering boxing and then, like, just be trash talking Creed. I don't know. I thought that'd be interesting versus going back to the whole, like, That'll be we're, just, we're just going through all the Rocky villains from the oh, yeah. original that series. Makes, you can make a lot, a lot of hay out of that. I like that idea. Or we can. Well, and I, I don't mind, like, being the son or, you know, or someone that admired him because you know what they're going to do on Cobra Kai? They're going to bring back Terry Silver yeah. from Karate Kid. We know it's going to happen. And I'm okay with it because this is a contrived, cheesy universe, but it's still awesome. You know, I think we need that kind of entertainment in our lives. So I'm totally fine with it being Clever Link's son or his protege or whatever. You know, you know, I think if, it just makes it more interesting. If it was 10 years ago, you know who would have been perfect for Cobra Kai? Would have been Jerry mm. Flynn. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, man, that's a name. Oh, my gosh. Because he was like... He was like we we talked about him on a previous incarnation of the show i think but i don't think we've ever talked much about him and he's never popped up on anything but um he really was like a cobra kai like he would have been perfect in one of those movies yeah and, uh, iceberg or whatever that oh, guy's glacier. name was. ice train glacier. oh, oh yeah. Glacier, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> oh man uh yeah they've already they sowed the seeds for terry silver so Oh yeah, it's gonna happen. I uh, uh, I finished season three I think last week, mm-hmm. and I don't know I don't know if I missed you guys or not, but I was just I was so annoyed because I was like, no, don't take his offer. You guys won. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Have they done? Uh, just kind of going off back to GI Joe for a second. Have they done anything <laughs> like animated wise with GI Joe in a while? It's been worthwhile. What do you? How do you define a while? <laughs> like the last five or six years. Mm. When did Renegades come out? Uh, I do not. That was like ten years ago, I think. Let me check. I mean, the last. I actually haven't seen the second G.I. Joe movie, but that was like 2013. I had hopes for that, and then it just kind of like didn't it get delayed, and then I lost interest. I'm not sure. Renegades uh, was 10 years ago, and I think wow. that was the most recent animated. Well, I wonder why. I wonder why that one, like that, seems like really strong on the action figure front and the comic front. But I don't know why does that seem to not be getting any momentum in the like 
television field, I wonder. Um Do you think do you think GI Joe struggled correctness. with um kind of the post 9/11 world? I guess that could go with political correctness too. Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah. Uh maybe, but I think I think because you have you have Cobra as like a terrorist organization, like you could you could still do a lot with it, and they they still have. You, there was um. Do you think they need the to do recent... like the the Steven Spielberg ET thing where he takes all the guns and replaces them with walkie talkies? <laughs> I think Brad, to answer your point, like not it's not uh, cartoon related, but the most recent thing they did besides the. Uh, the new toys they've been putting out is they did do a a third person shooter for the for uh, video oh, yes. game systems gi yes. joe operation blackout which i have bought for nintendo switch but um i haven't played it yet it's apparently only got like like mixed reviews well you know what's awesome about that though <clears throat> people said hey here's what we don't like and stuff and the company took the feedback and said well you're right we're gonna make it better Whereas mm-hmm. most companies would just ignore feedback and just uh, sometimes even berate their fans, not even their fans, but their customers. So I think it's awesome that they said, yeah, you're right. That's good feedback. We're going to fix these gameplay issues and stuff. So maybe you'll get a better version soon. I like the NES games. Those were those are decent. Yeah, um, what were they called? Uh, one was like Atlantis it, Factor. Yeah, and then like one was just GI Joe: Real American Hero. That was the first one. I think that was the better one because you could pick mm-hmm. your Joes for the mission, and then you had like a melee attack, but then you had a more limited like long range attack. Yes. Yes. I what I would actually love, and I don't, I don't know if we'll ever see it, especially because it's a GI Joe is a franchise that is really more aimed towards. I would say kids or. Well, ostensibly for for a younger generation, but I would love to have like a GI Joe first person shooter, mm-hmm. um, where you could play as a variety of different characters. I was gonna say I'd like, obviously... a, I'd like a like a Turtles in Time style beat 'em up. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, but I would love a... like a side scroller, right? Yeah, yeah. I would love a first person one. I would just. You could play as Snake Eyes, where he's—it's almost like a stealth mission where you're going around taking out characters, Cobra people. But I, mean, I feel like you'd have to be violent. Ooh, what about yeah, what unless... about like a Rainbow Six style game? That'd be cool. I'd be down for that. Man, I hate when you're in the middle of a podcast and you've somehow tangled yourself in all your wires and you can't figure out how to like. <laughs> it's like my—I'm like trying to move my foot and like I can feel the cord but i can't figure out which cord it is or how to like untangle myself and i'm just sitting here and i'm trying to like not make noise noise and it's just like oh my god like i can't i can't like unscrew myself because i try so hard to put everything right and then like halfway through the podcast you're just like your legs are just wrapped in everything and it's like oh great yep yep that's that i've i've got my headset cord bundled up and and uh and strapped to try and keep that from happening but even with it that way it's still snagging on stuff so i'm i'm muting myself and muttering well see i like slink off into like a small room so i echo less so i I, i'm not where my stuff is but like 
I sit in like a chair. So sometimes like sometimes I'm fine, but sometimes like two seconds in, like we're in the intro and I'm just like, I'm like rolling around like an alligator yeah. trying to like escape something because I can't, I can't figure out how I tangled myself in something. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And then it's like, oh, great. Like, if I pull something out, like, then I'm going to screw something up. But, yeah. Um, I, you know. Well, I. Th- um, so, you, so, Tim, you said you thought political correctness. Do you mean, like, on the violence front or, like, what do you. No, I just, I mean, just look at the first G.I. Joe movie. I mean, I just, the fact that it's the United States, right? They changed it to global, um, what was it? Global. Uh, oh. damn, what did it stand for? Something joint operating entity. It was global integrated. I think it was, you know, it's an American thing. It always has been action force was its own thing, but I just think definitely saying, Hey, it's America. You know, that's probably, they don't think it's something that will sell in this day and see, age, but I think it would, I think, but, but see, I think if, I think like, I think with the concept of the show, there are some changes you could make, and G.I. Joe could just be the American wing of a larger, like, yeah. international organization. And then you could have Action Force could be, like, the the European. The version. European. Yeah, the EU of that. Oh, yeah. And then you could do... That's... You, you could easily do that within the context of G.I. Joe, because you also have October Guard, which was the Russian equivalent. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. You could literally have... I won't see G.I. Joe franchises, but you could literally have like different teams for different continents. Yeah. Like I don't, that's it. And then G.I. Joe could just be the other thing. And then if you, if you do something where Cobra's operating internationally, then you could partner them up and guess what? Then like you could, you could even like introduce like gasps, like international characters that could work with the Joes. Well, and you could also, could ask, sorry to cut you off, Tim. No, you sorry. could also you could also do like conflict because back in back when it was you know the, the Soviet Union, you did have October Guard and you had you had so the October Guard and GI Joe teaming up against Cobra, which was this international terrorist organization. So their mm-hmm. their goal was to stop this international threat. But you also had the tensions where it's like oh, I don't mm-hmm. know about you, you're kind of like on the opposing side. You could easily do that in the the kind of modern political environment. You could easily have like an all Chinese. G.I. Joe type team and have them be kind of like suspicious of America, the American team and vice versa. And they would all be working towards stopping Cobra. So they all have a unified goal, but you could, you could play up some of those like personal interactions and be like, well, we don't really trust you. You kind of play up the, that hype up that angle. And that would make for like interesting storylines. It, yeah. You could. Yeah. It's rainbow. You can do rainbow six in the G.I. Joe universe without any kind of issue. Like you've got you've got yeah. your individual teams, and then you've got a detachment that it's like the elite squad from different areas. And there's all kinds of ways you can do it. Yeah, you if you did it right, you could do it. But here's here's what they've run into, like with this movie. Not just the fact that it wasn't a great movie, but okay, we're gonna make it a global force, right? So I think GI Joe has a very narrow fan base, right? So the people that did love it and they see this like, oh, man, you're making it, you know, not American. I really don't like that. So the very small fan base you have is kind of turned off, turned off at least most of them. So then who is left to appeal to people who don't even know what G.I. Joe is? So to do 
those ideas to implement them, you'd have to be very smart about it to bring in new fans and not lose the old ones. And I think and that's that's, yeah. that's a thin line to walk. I think I think yeah. too, and I know I know in the cartoon they do it a bit, but I think because mm-hmm. you're appealing to an older fan base, I think you kind of have to you have to embrace the militaristic part of it, like the rank, yes. the the military part of it. Like it needs to be first and foremost like a military property and you can get into the goofy stuff but you have to start from a military perspective not even because i think i think we're the if i'm remembering the first movie right like they kind of started it as like a governmental political like spot which i think's doing it wrong like i think you need to start with like a straight up like military military perspective Mm mm-hmm because it is a Speaking military which, organization. We haven't talked about the movie, right? The new one coming out in October. Oh, I don't think I. Is that official? Yeah, I I know they've. It's I know done. They, it's been done. It's done. Okay, I I just know that they. Is that like a new one, or is that supposed to be like Snake, Snake Eyes? Okay, yeah, they, they've been talking about doing that for like, for years, and I always assumed it was. Just kind of in production or not production like pre-production where they're just like talking about it so you're saying they actually have filmed it it, it was done. supposed to hit the theaters but just like with wonder woman 84 and other movies it mm-hmm. got pushed back and it's now showing october 22nd yeah, i'm looking at um, it now. let's see who the cast is well and they made snake eyes of uh asian descent he's no longer american so that's going to be interesting to see how they do that. I'd be fine um, with that. I don't know. I'll just have to see. But the whole story was always you have this American who kind of learned the the Japanese way, right? And mm-hmm. I always found that to be really interesting as a part of the character. Well, I see um, Scarlet and Baroness are in it and Storm mm-hmm. Shadow. Who's the director? Okay, so it looks like Snake Eyes is being played by actor Henry Golding, who, if no one knows who he is, um, he's Malaysian, but mm-hmm. I know him because he was he was the uh, the male lead in Crazy Rich Asians, <laughs> which which is actually an entertaining movie. I mean, it was a, a huge smash, but it's actually like a, a fun movie. It's just like a romantic comedy, but it's mm-hmm. actually pretty good. Um, so that's actually exciting. Like I, I, I kind of, I kind of am with, kind of am with you that I don't know about race changing. Like I, I don't, I'm not like a stickler for that. I mean, obviously like in the movies they change and initially like the ultimate Marvel universe. And then of course in the movies they changed, they changed Nick Fury from a white uh, character to an African American character. It's like, I don't, I think some characters like obviously should stay the same. Like if you're going to like, Oh, let's make Batman like uh, a Latino. I'm like, yeah. well, I don't know about that. But the, but the Nick Fury I, thing, I'm sorry, Matt, um, mm-hmm. this, I'll be real quick. The Nick Fury thing is because the Marvel cinematic is more the ultimate universe. Mm-hmm. And in the ultimate universe, Nick Fury is, was drawn as Samuel yes. Jackson. Yeah. So the, the cart they, actually, the cart came before the horse. I felt. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like a stickler for it. I think in some ways it's 
fine. Like the, I generally feel like the mid two thousands or early two thousands Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck is not very good at all. <laughs> but yeah. I actually didn't mind uh, Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin. I actually liked him. I heard King- it was good. Um, they- I actually liked him as Kingpin. A thousand times better than fucking sorry, sorry to curse. That stupid Vincent D'Onofrio and the Daredevil. <laughs> I, think, show. Um, I didn't, the, didn't care for him in, in that role at all. The Starbuck gender swap in the new Battlestar Galactica, like the the person, the lady they cast to be Starbuck in that would have been better mm-hmm. than anyone they could have gotten to play that role, in my opinion. Like she, yeah. she lived and breathed that role, and I was totally one hundred percent. Oh, that wasn't that. the only. You know, gender swap they did, but well, they, here's, yeah, Boomer, here's the they thing. Changed. Was it Boomer? Yeah, it was Boomer, and maybe a few others. But were you going anywhere else with your point, Matt? Are you saying you're okay with the Snake Eyes one? Is I'm not. I don't know that I'm okay with it because okay. I think I think there are some characters that their either their story doesn't really lend itself to that or they're iconic enough like i just used the batman example it's like uh it's like no i don't think you can change batman just like with um like peter parker and spider-man it's like no you can't really change peter parker but then it's like well how do you get around that well you like create essentially a new spider-man and like miles morales and you can then do stuff with him and it's like i'm not hard and fast against it though i don't think i don't know about it with with snake eyes because i'm so I like the character so much, and I like I like his original origin. That said, um, I'm kind of interested to see where they go because he's not a bad actor, and he's he's a dude who's he's got some name recognition. He's kind of being, I feel on the, like a, an up and coming star, so that might actually make the film see, more successful. See, my doubts with the Snake Eyes movie is it's Hollywood, and they really have a problem with, and I know it's going to be different. Because the, the, they're going to do it. But, like, that's one of the things I hated about, like, the Michael Keaton Batmans is, like, they contrived all these things to have him taking his mask off all the time. Mm-hmm. And and they're going to, like, to do a Snake Eyes movie right, like, they're not going to want to do, like, he doesn't talk. You really don't know who's under the, the mask, you know? Like, that's mm-hmm. what made him was, cool, though, yeah. is you didn't, you didn't know who Snake Eyes was. Well, here's here's the thing. I think you have to look at I think you have to look at the universe you're writing in. Like Star Wars has always had a singular continuity. It's not a multiverse, right? Yeah. Well, now it is, but before it wasn't. <laughs> but comics, you can almost do anything you want. You can make Nick Fury of African descent. You can you can make Miles Morales. You can do this. You can do that because it's comics. Comics. I mean, look at Golden Age, Silver Age, all that. Things change, but certain continuities. It's like it is what it is. And I feel like GI Joe. If you exclude the cartoon, because some stuff conflicted with the comic, but everyone was what they were. And I, I see they have the Hard Master in this movie. That was a big part of the Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes lore. I just feel like the fact that he was this outsider american with blonde hair he had snake eyes had blonde hair and he kind of trained and learned and he got better than storm shadow did and he earned the favor of the hard master that's like really interesting but maybe they'll have henry golding playing an american even though he's of asian descent i don't know we need to see it but i i think the reason they did it wasn't really 
you know, just because I think it was definitely for an appropriation. Oh, you're appropriating the character type of reason. We see it all the time, but I'll, I'll think, give the movie a fair shot. Yeah, I think that's probably what they're going for. They probably didn't feel comfortable well, in today's climate let's, doing. Let's be honest, too, though. Whoever mm-hmm. whoever cast this movie probably doesn't realize that Snake Eyes was blonde hair. They're like, oh, he's a ninja. Like, oh, I know. He's I know they do. Like an Asian guy. Like, I think. I think. Like, I honestly think. <laughs> I honestly think maybe it could honestly be that they cast him that way because it's good old fashioned Hollywood racism at play. Like I, it could, it yeah. could be as simple as like a casting directors like, Oh, he's a ninja. Well, obviously we need to cast an Asian person. Correct. Yep. You know, hold on looking at, well, I, so I think that that's a fair point, but again, I do think casting Henry Golding uh, because he had he was in such a prominent film, like I, I think they're also trying to like Hedge they're thinking fans. it's going to pull in, yeah, it's going like, to pull in like more when viewers, they put, which um, I think could be a safe gamble. Because they put who did they put in the retaliation that was in everything at the, around the time? Was it um... Ray Park? Well, uh, was it t- Chance Tate? No, Channing Tatum. Oh, Channing Tatum. As, as Duke, yeah. yeah, Channing Tatum, yeah, yeah. And I they, thought I think, you meant Snake Eyes. Sorry. Um, trying to see, they actually. So looking at this, this is actually an interesting cast. Uh, they have Peter Mensa as the actor, but he, uh, for those of who've ever watched uh, Spartacus on Stars, I think it's on Netflix too. He played Doctori. He was like the um, gladiator trainer. Mm-hmm. It was actually really interesting. Um, and that guy's actually looks like he's done voice work where he's done a lot of transform like recent Transformers cartoons stuff. Interesting. Uh, kind of reminds also, me of Tony Todd. Uh, he does, but he's a uh, he's pretty cool. Like I, he was really really good in the Spartacus show. Mm-hmm. Um, they also as the as the Hard Master, they have Eco Uwais. I'm probably butchering that name. He no, was the main. He was the main star of the raid. Uh, which I think is an Indonesian oh, film. If yeah. you have not seen The Raid or The Raid 2, you need to watch these films. They are mm. absolutely badass. I've seen the signature fight scenes from them. Oh, um, they are so they, good. He actually he actually starred in a show called Woo Assassins, which is on Netflix, which wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, um, but it was pretty like fun. It was kind of like in the theme of like a wushu yeah. Uh, martial arts, but it had some supernatural elements to it. And that film actually had that show. Sorry, on Netflix actually had <laughs> Tommy Flanagan from Sons of Anarchy as one of the villains, and he's oh, always man. fun. He's the Irish guy, right? Yeah, he, he's uh, uh, no, he's actually he's Scottish. Scottish, Scottish. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And he actually has like I think he actually has like a legit Glasgow smile. Oh. <laughs> He's got like facial scars from, I guess, when he yeah. was much mm-hmm. younger. He got like he was in like a gang attack. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I had um, the that fight scene from the raid. I had someone throw at me They're like, "Okay, find something wrong with this," because we were having this conversation about if, from a, a perspective, like a lot of Hollywood fight scenes drive me crazy because they rely on uh, a lot of. E- really honestly bad fighting tropes like awful and he's like find something wrong with this and i was like okay this is very well done very capable very athletic and it's ninja gaiden 
what? It's like everybody's just running in one after the other. But it, it was it was very well done. That's the yes. only complaint I could come up with. But it was just you know, it, the the guy doing the 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 main character tears it up. Like dudes, dudes kind of he's got that Tony Jaw vibe going. Yeah, he does. He very much has a Tony Jaw vibe to him. Yeah. For those who haven't seen the raid, I'll just do like a quick like synopsis of it. It's basically like the main character, like eco wise, he. He's like a cop, and he he's basically doing a raid on this one apartment. Uh, it's like just like a it's like it's essentially like a slum, but the this gang, this uh, criminal gang, basically controls it, and they essentially lock down the uh, the entire complex, and he basically has to <laughs> fight his way out of it. And it is it is absolutely fantastic. It's such a fun movie. Kind of like if uh, if. Hong Kong police were raiding the Kowloon walled city or something mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, good luck getting out of there. I am absolutely. Oh, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was, I was just about to say like, I'm surprised that Hollywood hasn't tried to remake it. It looks like they have, um, <laughs> but they just, they haven't done it yet, I guess. Cause it's okay. been through like production hell. Uh, I would, I'm surprised because that, that seems like that would be absolutely a film that America would redo and yeah. probably not not do it that well. No, they never did. <laughs> yeah. Although looking at it, initially initially they were going to do Frank Grillo as the main character, and I actually like that guy. He played um, he played Crossbones in the Marvel Ooh, Captain okay. America movies. Okay, that I I'd be down with. That. He's also done he's also done a bunch of other stuff. He was in. He's been in like the Shield. He's been in he that guy actually. I haven't seen it there. Uh, <clears throat> it's I don't know if it's I think it's on. Okay, looking it up. He it's supposed to be released on Hulu. He was just in this film called Frank Grillo. He's the main character in this film called Boss Level. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. It's an upcoming movie. Uh, it stars actually. It, we're, we've come full circle. The main villain in that is Mel Gibson. Nice. <laughs> and the premise of it, it's essentially like a science fiction movie, but like a video game where where it's like a it's almost like a Groundhog Day type of thing scenario too. Basically, like Frank Grillo uh, has to try and kill Mel Gibson because Mel Gibson is like threatening his girlfriend or something like that. But he's stuck in a time loop and essentially like. Uh, Mel Gibson, much like a video game, who's like the bot, he's like the main boss. He's just throwing all these different gang members and, and people who <laughs> essentially they keep killing Frank Grillo, and he keeps, he keeps dies, but he just comes back to life. He's stuck in like a time loop because it's just like a video game. Like you die. You does respawn. he um? Does he steal Poxitani <laughs> Phil and like lets him drive a truck off a cliff? <laughs> so listen, Ned, to Ned Ryerson. Listen to this Groundhog cast list. You know someone. Do you know someone <laughs> yeah. figured out how long he was stuck in that time loop at some point, or they theorized it? Like like ten thousand years, I no, think. Some, oh wow! Because they figured that. I think they. I think it was more like eight years, maybe. But yeah, I think it was. Okay, no, I know what I've got is I said ten thousand years because that was I think one of the either original writer or director intent. But they just they they thought it would be better to leave it vague, so they didn't put it but in. But they they were basing it on him playing the piano and doing the card trick. 
yeah. and the time yeah. that he would have to put in to learn that stuff. But that's I just I just wasn't didn't that stupid rat just pop up today or yesterday? <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, yesterday from when we're recording this, it was actually Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Um, just for the, the cast list from boss levels, Frank Grillo, Mel Gibson, Naomi Watts, Will Sasso, yeah. Rob Gronkowski, Ken Jeong. I'm still bitter at Will and Sasso Quentin for Jackson. that. Quentin, Quentin Jackson and Rashad Evans play like twins. Yeah. Remember Will Sasso did an angle with Piper and WCW and Bret Hart. Yeah. In the, did he? I don't remember that in one. The dying days. Yeah, I remember it. I remember him doing a Steve Austin impression that was actually really good on Raw once, but I don't remember the angle on in WCW. Well, Tim, I really appreciate you coming on because, like, no, it's been great. Because, um, and I I legitimately mean this: when I think of GI Joe, like in any capacity, like I always think of you because that's always like as long as as long as I've known you online, like you've always like been a great resource for like gi joe and like trivia and all that stuff and like i think you i think like i've always you're one of those people where like it makes me want to go like get more into gi joe and i see your like passion for it Mm -hmm. so well it's an awesome universe i mean you know matt has been into it as long as i have and Mm -hmm. it's just so rich it's richer than people think so it deserves a lot, lot more attention. The Marvel, the and and for anyone listening, if 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 you haven't read the Marvel comics, IDW released most of them in collections that aren't yes. super expensive. And I agree with him about the first 120, 125 issues are really worth your time. So I would seek those out. They're also on Comicsology, and you can subscribe to Comicsology Unlimited. And most of those for like six dollars a month, I think most of those trades are available to read, and I recommend it highly because they are excellent. Yep. All right. Well, Tim, once again, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate you uh, joining us for this uh, this rodeo that we do, <laughs> and um, we want to say everybody out there, hey, thank you for joining us for this episode. We'd love to hear from you on social media. We do take requests. I believe we have one coming up in the not distant future. Bash at the Beach we'll be 97. Bash at the Beach 97. Well, so, I'll say this. If you yeah. if you ever want to have me back and you want to talk about why Mandalorian Luke Skywalker sucks, then I'm your man. <laughs> uh, are you doing in, I actually want to do that. What are you doing in March, Tim? Like... Because I'll, I'll watch all of it and then we can talk about it. Okay. I feel like we're we're not gonna have that's not gonna be a popular sentiment because <laughs> I have I have many friends who are like you're crazy you're like you're you're just being contrary and I'm like no I have I have a lot of thoughts about that but mm-hmm. we can share it we can we can we can postpone Tim, that for Tim, another time we'll talk about that and we'll bring you back on and we'll piss everyone off definitely why well, I have like a list of a hundred points why and we'll be ready okay. <laughs> We'll get into that in the future, but... Tim will be on, like, well, gentlemen, like, I wrote a doctoral thesis on why this is not good. <laughs> no, 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 Brad. It's gonna be... We'll have a picture, stands up, and then drops the Matrix... Dot Matrix printer paper all the way to the floor <laughs> and starts reading the thousand... Thousand and four holds and off And then of. Tim will be talking, you'll just hear me peeling the, the little, like, 
the little roller sides off because I, I have OCD and I always have to like, I always loved to pull those off when I was a kid. The sides off. Oh. Problem with Luke Skywalker number 10, arm bar. Uh, so thank you. Thank you all out there for joining us. I guess we've been in four corners, but we would love to hear from you and we will see you next time.